0: Welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast, episode number 28. This is a special edition. Jim and I are on location at the place to be if you want to learn about knives and buy good knives and whatever else you want
1: to do we're at Bark River in Escanaba Michigan did you feel this uh uh (laughs) it's now I just handed him my my beast that he gave me and uh jeez and 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 Jimmy Stewart just changed the the cutting geometry on it and actually made it a knife instead of a freaking sharpened pry bar (laughs) and now it will cut something I'm sure but so uh welcome aboard jim thank you sir and welcome aboard mike glad to be here all right well we're we're gonna do something a little bit
0: different usually we just kind of sit around and yak we're gonna do that um but before we do that i wanted to ask jim about uh straight razors because he's in the process of learning about them making them uh learning about how to put edges on them and and uh, the geometry that you need to, to make it work and, and all sorts of things, like the shapes of the handles and all those sorts of things. So what got you interested in, in making straight razors?
2: Well, my first interest was when I felt one for the very first time. Uh-huh. How just unbelievably sharp that they were, uh-huh. and the knowledge came later that it was because of the geometry behind the edge. Um, and that started that started just a, a general interest in uh-huh. razors to begin with. I mean, I'm already a knife maker; I already make a ton of knives each day. But it's but it's nice to see what else is out there. Um, it got worse for me, if you will, when um, I met uh, a gentleman named Michiel Van Hoots at. IWA at last year's um, IWA. That's the IWA Outdoor Classics in Nuremberg, Germany. Uh-huh. And him and I hit it off. We became we became instant, really good friends. And what he does for a living, on the side, is um, he has a company called Belgian Sharpening, uh-huh. where he specializes in making extremely, extremely fine, very, very sharp edges by hand, by stone, leather strop. Um, so he introduced me kind of to the to his world, to his end of it. Mm-hmm. So. Here I am, just you know, a year later. Um, I decided to just try making razors one day. I saw it in a movie. I think we were watching Sweeney Todd or something. And yeah. I went, and I went, I can do that. I know how to do that. I can do that. So the next day, I came in the shop. I grabbed the blank piece of steel, the one that you're holding right now, the yep. natural canvas one with the green, with the yep. green elder liner, mm-hmm. and I just made one. Not really knowing much about razors or anything. Um, I knew that when you were to put the uh, the blade in the handle, that it probably shouldn't hit the blade.
1: <laughs> but the, that was the first. That was the first thing, right? That,
2: that was the, That was my first clue. So I just kind of put one together. Um, I I wanted to make it hollow ground, so I hollow ground it to the best of my knowledge at the, at the time. Um, and I succeeded in making a, a razor. And it is a razor. It looks very razor like. It does shave arm hair. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 what I, and what I learned about it is that it's. It's very, very thick. The one that I made is very thick. It's and way not, thick.
1: And you're not used to uh, hollow grinding to start with, are you? No, no, not at all. When no, I when That's I first not learned something how to, that you guys do here. When
2: I first learned how to grind, it's convex or nothing, Right. when I first learned how to grind. And so, this razor that I made with this big old hollow grind, it has a giant bevel on it, because I don't know any better. <laughs> this is a razor that you could survive in the woods with. You it's can, called a survival
1: razor. Right. Yeah. It's extremely sharp, you can build a shed with it.
2: So, <laughs> <laughs> Or, or skin an
1: elephant. Or skin an elephant. <laughs> you could.
2: You could. And it would fold nice and neatly into the nice little compact thing. You could put it in your man bag. <laughs> when you're on your way back to the hotel. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you could start a fire with it.
2: You can. You can. It's got a nice sharp spine. If you get a feral rod out, yep. you're good.
1: Yep. It's just not
2: a straight razor. It's just not a straight razor. It just <laughs> looks like what? <laughs>
3: it's a straight razor-shaped knife. <laughs> yep.
2: yeah. I'm a knife maker. What do you want?
3: Yep. So... Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> So um, I refined my knowledge a little bit after talking with Michiel. He sent me a very nice PDF that had a ton of different handle scale designs on it. It inspired the next one that I made. The next one that I made is very much more razor-like. I made it out of Desert Ironwood scales with a um, California Buckeye Burl uh, wedge on the inside. Mm -hmm. And this one I flat ground. And uh, I think it looks much more better. It looks a little looks a little bit closer to what an actual razor. Can I, can I like.
1: see the first? Uh, yeah, thank you.
0: So, um, for our listeners at home, uh, if you look at if if you look at the knife from the back, what he's talking about with the wedges, there's a. Um, so you've got your handle scales on the outside, and then on the inside is basically your liner. Is that what you, how
2: you would describe basically, that? Basically, yeah. It, technically, it's not supposed to be a liner. It's supposed but, to be just the front wedge, Yeah, but I but made it, it a liner. But it, <laughs>
0: keeps, it keeps the... Um, it keeps the, it's a spacer for the scales to keep the scales apart. Yes, sir. And it's a. It's a, it's a wedge-shaped, which is mm-hmm. different. You know, most of the pocket knives that you see, that's straight, that's yeah. flat. Yeah,
2: yeah. Now, the reason why that one's wedged is to actually take the top edge of the mm-hmm. scales and force them together to stop the blade at a certain point. Yeah. So so the so the edge of the, the razor itself doesn't actually hit the liner? Yeah. If if you were to cross section that or just break off one of the scales, you would see where it where it where it where it stops. Where it stops. There's like an eighth inch gap in between where the blade stops and where the liner stops. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so if you if you want to picture this, um look at the back of your knife and then picture if the tang of your knife was wedge shaped from the top of the spine to the the bottom of the handle. That's it, that's basically it.
1: T- well, tapers from top to from bottom. bottom right, to right, from right, top yeah. to bottom. Yeah. Right. yeah. So that's. Well, the other thing too, you got going on here is this hook is in the wrong spot, right? Yeah. That
4: one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That the was the first, first that's one. the first one. The first yeah, one. Yeah. Back guess,
1: to the first one, yeah. where where I'm just I'm fingering up the first one. I'm looking like, well, there's no way that that's gonna like hook on your finger, and I'm trying to figure out how to. The hook yeah. is backwards. Yeah, not at all.
2: That was dyslexia. I don't know anything about razors. I just had to make one one day. I'm like, oh, and yeah. then Michiel the hook on the second.
1: Well, I'm even right. trying to figure out how you could use this as a knife, and I'm thinking I, I can't even hold it open. Are <laughs> you supposed to lash it to a spear, Jim? Yeah, <laughs>
4: so.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> but so, so you're, and it's very well made. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're I mean, even if it doesn't work right, it's very. They're, it looks really quite beautiful. good. Well,
2: it was my first attempt. I, I didn't yeah. know what I
0: was doing. But so what? You're in the yes. you're kind of in the learning curve right now, and, yes. and some of the things that you've learned are that you want to use thinner steel stock.
2: Oh yes, most definitely. And then
0: and then the other thing we talked about was that at the top of the um the blade, you you want that very top top part to be flat and right. not and not hollow ground all the way all the, to the way top up to the, the spine. Yeah, that is something
2: yeah. else that I learned is that 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 the the, the, the spine or the back of the uh, the razor on the on the side of the razor absolutely yeah. needs to be there for sharpening. Both of these razors that I made ha- don't have that at all. They're absolutely either hollow ground all the way to the spine or they're flat ground. all It's, way it's actually a shelf. It's, is that what it's called? A yeah, shelf. The shelf. The shelf. A shelf? Okay. Yeah. These don't have those shelves.
3: Right? right. So so you have to make the blade wire so it has a shelf at the top. Right.
2: Right. So which next actually
3: lays flat on the stone or the strop.
2: Right. It it yeah and that's the magic between uh between that's the I, magic, I, I already uh, knew that,
3: but you didn't ask me.
2: <laughs> hey, I like you to find out things for myself,
3: Dad. You just you just made it. <laughs> You know, he did a heck of a job. They're they're not made correctly, but they but they certainly look like razors.
2: Yeah, they they look like champion razors. Yeah, (laughs) they look great. But that's (laughs) the ten feet
1: away, they look really good.
2: Thanks. This is the
1: this (laughs) is the and for the person that's not actually going to shave with it, which is perfect, which is which is everyone who's going (laughs) to buy. Like
0: they're absolutely perfect. They're absolutely perfect. But then so like uh, this is just kind of the process. You know, the reason I kind of identify with this is like I started with no knowledge of knives whatsoever and I, I thought just you were gonna say that you have, started
1: shaving with cat cats and milk. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> well so the the thing is is like I, I can kind of identify with the process you're going through where you try to re- you know you're trying to learn it basically from the ground up and you know you, well, going, I, I you don't had, even realize I had absolutely
3: it no input. Jim Jim just went off and did this.
4: Mm-hmm. And yeah. he
3: really didn't want any input. He wanted to learn it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So he just went ahead and did it
0: and I didn't interfere. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: You know, what he was making look like razors to me from a distance. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but but this is but this is my point and that's that um you I think you learn a lot more by trying it. Mm-hmm. You know, get get an idea. Um, get, get some basic instruction, then go try it. Yeah, absolutely. And then you learn, I mean, if you'd, if you'd started out making it exactly the right way, um, then you wouldn't necessarily understand why it was the right I, way. I
2: would have had the process, yeah. but I wouldn't have actually had the knowledge as to why the process exists that way. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, what I would have been doing is, I, I, I know myself, I would have been trying to improve on this already perfect process, and then I would have been taking steps backward until I understood it only to build myself back up again. Yeah. So I feel like I'm cutting the learning curve if so, I just kind of jump into you it You with, sound
1: like you've me. done that before.
2: Oh, it's yeah, everything. do, <laughs> I am. Yeah. Well, we, we,
3: tell, we tell people the same thing about knife making, is that you can read all the books you want, but until you actually get some steel and start grinding, you don't know why you're doing things. And, and once once you actually start making some knives, then you're going to understand what you did right and what you did wrong and why. Mm-hmm. And that's far more important than just copying something out of a book.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, that's that been my experience. Is, uh, I, you will never see the first ones that I made. <laughs> 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 they are terrible. Yep. I mean, I, I had the right idea, um, but you know, the thing that I've been refining is handle design mm-hmm. um, because I, I know the anatomy of the hand. I know exactly how it's supposed to work, but when I started out, I was making... Making the things much too aggressive, much too lock
2: your hand down. Right, lock, lock
0: your hand down. into one position. And what I've done over the as I am learning is to make it so that the features are there, but it's much more subtle. And I think you know, unless I'd gone through that process, if you if you just if I just come up here and seen the right way to do it right from the beginning, mm-hmm. I never would have understood why. Mm-hmm. You know, so well, we we run uh, into that the, all the
3: time with yeah. customers saying. Well, you know, you need something in the front of the handle and something in the back of the handle, and you have to be able. And what they'll do is they'll they'll grab a knife in hammer grip, and they'll think, well, it doesn't really fit my hand in hammer grip. Well, you don't use a knife in hammer grip.
4: Yeah.
3: And the and the, the 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 contours of the of the handle have to actually be versatile enough to use them no matter how you
1: pick it up. Yeah. I use a hammer in hammer grip. <laughs>
2: I,
0: I well, that's typically
1: do. where I use my hammer.
2: I would say that would be the wisest application yes, of a hammer grip. The hammer grip right. on hammer the hammer. Work. Well, yes. or a Or hatchet. Hatchet. Or a hatchet a hatchet, hatchet would work. Hatchet would work. Yes. There you <laughs> <Right>. go. Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and so basically what I'm what I'm learning, um, and as as it turns out, this is a design concept, and I don't know the name for it, but it has to do with, um, trying to force the person to use it the way you want them to, mm-hmm. and not necessarily the way they. It's called are, apple. <laughs> yeah. No, but there's a, there's actually a, there's actually a you know for <laughs> <Way more> design <laughs> for, for, for design geeks and people that think a long time about design and why things function and how they should do it. There's actually a name for that concept, and I don't remember what I, it is. I, I seriously, I
1: thought it was like Steve Jobs, Apple. Right, That's exactly it or yeah. No <laughs> it's like you only have one way well, to do it, and it's his way, and that was think, what, think, why uh, apples are so popular. People genuinely. Uh,
3: if if you make a handle on a knife properly you are forcing them to use it properly because I I, I see people all the time with handles tapered to the rear and what they're doing is they're they're grabbing a piece of clay and they're squeezing it and they're looking at what's left and yes, it's going to be smaller at the back than the front when in actuality it needs to be the opposite of that because your yeah. your last two fingers are your grasp. Right. People think that that's your area of control. Right. And the not. only
1: reason it's tapered to the back is because you're squeezing it harder. Right. But you <laughs>
3: should actually, the handle should taper towards the front. Right. Not yeah. towards the back.
1: Now, I would imagine
2: so, because I would imagine because that the the contour is complementing what your hand's trying to do, right? Yeah. S- sol- solidifying and, it out. And then it what, fills it in. Is
0: what what you're de- what your J- what Mike is basically describing is this. Mm-hmm. That's this is one of the number one problems um, with this knife is that your hand wants to slip forward yeah. onto the blade.
3: Um, but
0: but in actuality that all right I I feel that that particular knife I'm not going to
3: name it but that particular right. knife does that because it's not. Fully contoured. It's only yeah. it's only tapered. Yeah, it's, it's
1: basically. It's also too round. Yeah.
3: Okay, but if you take the same concept, yeah. Let me just get, go
1: go get something here. No, I got something.
0: I got something
2: right here. Look at
1: that. So what? Or, what he just whipped Or I, I the... will withdraw a perfect knife from the sheath <laughs> and
4: I'll the lay it aura? on the table. Yeah.
0: So what what we're looking at here is I've I've got in my hand the Bark River Bushcrafter and nope. Jim just whipped out the. Uh,
1: that's the other one. The though Black this Jack. is the ultralight. That's the Blackjack. That's no, the Blackjack. this is no, this This is Bark oh, River. Oh okay. yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. See so and yeah.
0: you know I've I've made the um, I've got a video comparing the two, but you, the, you know both of them did the handle. You've got
3: to have something at the back of the handle to fill that hand. Yeah. So that so that your fingers have something to grasp against. You don't want them touching each other. You want you yeah. w- you want to be able to do that. And I then if you want them not to slide forward, you just have to lift up a little on the handle towards the front yeah. to give them something to butt against in the front, so that the the and and also
0: the handle has to, it cannot be perfectly round, otherwise that's a broom handle. Right, here's here's I'm gonna show Jim um. Jim's Jim Stewart the. Yes. Uh, the mechanics of the hand and what 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 he's talk what uh, Mike has been talking about. So, um, <laughs> if you take you most people they think that the power in their grip comes from their index finger and their long finger. Good. Okay, um, and in actuality the power in your grip comes from the small finger and the ring finger. And that's not my opinion. That's that's fact. That's fact. And that's I'm fact. sorry. Science. That's science. Science. And people, you know, I know know I'm supposed to be, like, not an expert. But in things related to the hand, I'm an expert. So just calm your ass down. Some people
2: behind the microphones.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But but, so what what I want you to do is take take this and, and hold it with just the two front fingers. Okay. And then hold it with just the two back fingers. And notice the... Notice the increase in. Why aren't you gonna pull it out of his hands? No, he's gonna do it. Right now. Oh, yeah. Why Why not you gonna do a yeah. tug of war where you
1: get the last two fingers? <laughs> no. He gets the front two fingers. So and we we let's get...
2: go and you end up halfway across well,
0: the road? That's right. what I was
1: hoping for. Well, Especially I'm on wheels. He's on wheels right now.
2: I can actually overcome my own my own hand strength with,
1: using
0: with, with the, with the index view. and the long finger. Right. right, and, and can't I can't do it with the other rear ones. Yeah. yeah, and so at all. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, um, if you're if you're gonna design a handle or design a tool. Um, you have to keep in mind that the strength of your grip is with the, the small and the ring finger.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, now that we shared that bit of knowledge to all the future knife makers that are going to be competition. They're, they're, they can't <laughs> compete. I
4: mean, I'm sorry. We don't have any <laughs> time. Right. See, and, and, and the way I look at it is,
1: you, you, is the front two fingers are where you're going to get your fine control work. But that's the why back you, two is where you're going to hang on to it. That's exactly yeah. why you never pick your nose with your pinky finger, unless <laughs> you're in England. In England, you have to. Yeah. That's why you don't put the pinky on now, the teacup. Now,
4: something,
0: something <laughs> else. Something else I want to show machine. you. Okay. And and you you both probably know this because of your um, I'm pointing at uh, Jim Noka and at Mike because of their um backgrounds backgrounds Leo and these sorts of things. Now, um, I want you to take y- your wrist and and do it like you're gonna. Hold this like you're gonna do a bench press of a couple hundred pounds. Okay? okay, and look at what happens to your wrist when you do that. Okay, now,
4: now, now we're
0: really gonna do a bench press. Okay. What's gonna happen is if you're actually in there, you're gonna, you're gonna, what you're gonna do. If if we were actually in the gym, mm-hmm. here's what you're gonna do. Relax. Um, okay. You're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your yeah. wrist cocks back, mm-hmm. and your because your grip is stronger with your wrist extended than it is this way. Okay, now to prove that to you, I'm gonna you hold the t- make the tightest grip you can with one hand. Okay. On there, let go there. One hand, okay. Tightest grip you possibly can, okay. Yep. Now there's no way I'm gonna pull that away from you. Now watch what happens if you if I have you flex oh. your wrist.
2: Oh, I can already. Yeah, I can already feel it. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> fun, and that's why that's why
0: your uh, Jim's and Mike's training tells them if you want to get a knife or something away from an assailant, you force their wrist right. into the flexed position, and, and they release. literally, like, that's that's the strongest oh, I, grip I, that I actually can actually. You it can like that. disarm someone with a knife with a double slap, and I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever seen that done. uh
2: Huh? What's that? I've seen that.
3: I think you do that. Possible. Yeah. <laughs> Here, hold it. Double slap is is like this.
0: Yeah. Okay, and, so, and you can actually the knife will actually launch across the yeah. room, mm-hmm. and basically it 's called a double slap, basically, what Mike just did was he forced my um, my wrist to flex so force with, with enough force in other yeah. words, you hit the the inside of the forearm
3: with one hand and hit the back <coughs> of the other hand with the other simultaneously very hard you 'll actually throw the object in their hand out of their hand yeah. across the room
0: and that's okay. it 's a, a double slap disarm. and that has to do with um that has to just it's pure it just body with, mechanics yeah the way your way your arm is set nice, up. Nice Yeah, it's pure yeah, body, yeah, body mechanics pretty so cool. these are all little geeky things that you you your body like if we went and put you on a weight bench mm-hmm. you would naturally go to that you sure. don't have to think about it yeah you'd it. never do it this way you, and you'd never do it with your wrist straight That's right you, you're gonna lock your wrist yeah. back when oh. you do it.
2: Well, when I did use a weight lift, I used to just actually have an open palm and just cradle it in between my hand, and that would force my hand back. Yeah. Now that I think about yeah. it. Yeah,
0: and then and then what 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 I always did was I always lined my pinkies up with the little ring there, you know, just to make sure that it's, and then you then you do it, mm-hmm. and it, it, you you will automatically go to uh, wrist extended mm-hmm. grip. Anyway, couple well, geeky things about the way your arm and hand works. So. Well,
3: but but that body mechanics is important. Designing any tool mm-hmm. not just a knife but if you want the tool to actually function with the least amount of fatigue because mm-hmm. fatigue is really important mm-hmm. when you're talking about sustained use if you're out there in a survival or a bushcraft thing or even even you know the guy at camp that does all the deer yeah there's always at every every deer camp there's one guy yeah. that seems to get stuck with doing all the deer you want the tool to not fatigue him not have his forearm fatigue, not have his fingers fatigue. So when you design a tool, you need to to keep all the body mechanics in mind to make the tool easier to use. And that is mostly handle dynamics, not blade dynamics. The blade geometry makes the knife cut better. But the handle design makes it an easier tool to use. And it's very important. And people, new knife makers, have a tendency not to know that, which is fine. They'll learn it. Or sometimes they don't learn it. And no, they or just not. and we're they not. just make these blocky round things yeah. that that really are not aiding in the use of this wonderful knife they made. Yep. And, and and it is very important. Yep.
2: That's that field testing phase that's ever so important. Yeah. But Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah you can't you can't field test a drawing.
2: No, no. No. Yeah. no.
0: No. <coughs> but so that's uh, we're we've been sitting around here now for hours and hours having <laughs> we played in the shop. Uh, Jim and I made a video on how to get sharp grind lines. Yeah. For uh,
1: YouTube. Designed a new knife.
0: Yeah, yeah. At the same time, yeah. Got a new knife design it's that's gonna actually pretty be cool. For... Yeah. So yeah, you'll uh, see that
1: in production pretty quickly. Actually,
0: it's a very good knife.
3: Yeah. <laughs> very nice. I like it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yep. It's gonna go right into production. It's gonna
1: yeah, be cool. We saw the formula for the new, the new uh, secret, super secret stealth weasel steel. <laughs> right, the weasel steel. Yeah, we can't, we can't, <coughs> we can't
0: disclose the official name. No, yet. we can't talk
1: about it yet. But yeah, but know, we'll.
0: But I do need to. There's more testing involved. But I do need to make it looks, a correction. But it's very promising. I have to make a correction in something I said previously. I said that infi steel was paper cutter steel, and uh, <laughs> looking back on the on our conversation, it's chipper steel. And then one of the alternative uses was paper cutter. So yeah. if you're yeah, trying chip, to find Chipper it. steel cuts metal.
3: Yeah. It, it chops up metal. So that's... So Jerry's using a steel that was actually designed for heavy impact on normally non-cuttable things. That's why that steel works so well when you swing his knives with that thick geometry at cinder blocks or whatever you you know think you well, want to use. It doesn't mean on. that
1: you can like chop a car hood off.
3: People do it, though. People, you, you can, <laughs> actually, with that steel. The, 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 the point is that it's a, it's a heavy impact steel. You certainly wouldn't want to use one of, G- one of Jerry's big knives to cut some tomatoes. No. It's not the right design for it. But if you want to smash his knives, his knives are bulletproof. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if there was a nuclear explosion, I would expect to find in the crater an untouched bussy knife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they're, they're that bombproof. Do they cut well for other things? Not not necessarily. But the way he makes them, he designs them to be that kind of bulletproof. You know, if you need to cut somebody out of a car, that's probably the knife to use. Because it's chipper steel. That's the actual uh, common terminology for the steel that he uses. And, of course, he says that he enhances it with nitrogen. And, you know, if he says it, he probably does it, uh, which makes it a little different. But uh, it is chipper steel.
1: When you say enhance with nitrogen, what what? what do you he think says he, he infuses it with nitrogen. How does one infuse a it That gas would be in, in into a in, metal? in the heat treat process. He probably does it in nitrogen
0: atmosphere. Okay, but then I don't. I still don't understand that's how that's, that's, how that's how sort it's of like equating infused.
1: this. That's like saying that because you used a carbon forge. You could actually put more carbon into the steam yeah, I'd, when I'd, the reality is underst- just the opposite. Yeah, I'm
0: not understanding how you can incorporate nitrogen atoms into a non-gaseous... Yeah, I, I didn't say I understood, I said that. that <laughs> listen, listen,
3: I,
4: I'm just trying to wrap my head around And, and the other this thing is, the is physics don't if
3: you've works. ever seen Jerry Buzz, he's way bigger than me.
4: So and, he, and he can hey, probably hey, yeah. tear
3: my arm off and beat me to death with it. So, if he says he did it, I'm not going to contradict. And, him. And,
1: and, Hi, man, and like I said, well, I, I sing a lot of praise for him oh, all the time. He's my He's, hero. <laughs> 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 he, he has been able to overcome the one thing that you've never been able to overcome. I know. I, it kills. No matter how hard you try, it kills me. You can't sell a knife without a sheep. And right, Jerry does said. it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and see, this is
0: sheaths are the bane of my existence. <laughs> as a, as a, as a starting knife guy, I'm gonna try to figure out that formula because I don't have a sheath maker. Well, I don't know if you can. I
1: don't know if it could ever be done again. Well, what
0: if, what if I? I
1: bet you he, I bet
0: you he trademarked that. Selling
1: a knife without a sheath. Yep. Right, no sheath, no sheath.
0: He, and he's got the trademarks, and I don't know anybody else can do it. But it's good for it's good for the sheath makers like uh, Dwayne Puckett, Emeril. Leather. Yep. Oh, it's all of them. I would never have discovered uh, him without buying a bussy. Does he listen to this? Yeah, he does.
1: Okay, Dwayne, I ran across the saddlebags bags that you put your mark on with a Sharpie marker the other day. I thought I'd, uh, I, I was, I sent a picture to Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> See, our, our problem if if we were. Selling knives
3: directly to the customer, we probably could get away with not supplying a sheath, just like Jerry does. But we sell through a distributor dealer network, and they don't want to sit there and explain why you have to buy this knife and then buy a sheath from someone else. Yeah. They want a whole package, so we're yeah. pretty
1: much forced to sell knives with sheaths. But I think everybody is. Yeah, I mean seriously. Yeah, I, I mean I think everybody all all is. knife manufacturers. And it's very. I don't Manu- even think manufacturers. Yeah. The yeah, custom, yeah but I don't the custom even custom think custom
0: guys don't though.
1: Like I don't know because you look most at most of them of that, have sheets. Yeah, most of them have sheets. You look at the ABS; they may not, they may not make the sheets themselves. They farm uh, it, but usually they have a sheath maker that they send a knife to. He puts leather around the outside of it or Kydex, and it comes back to them, and then it gets blasted out to the right. Then it end goes customer. to the customer from there. That's yeah. pretty normal. <clears throat> that's that's not an unusual thing, and and and. Uh, I mean, I mean, most,
3: most of the custom that. knife makers I know that, that do not make their own sheaths send the actual sheath knife out. Yes. Yeah. To like, oh, they'll send a box of knives. Yes. And they'll say, okay, make me sheaths for these, and then the sheath maker, you know, three weeks later sends them back to him, and then he sends them to his customers. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's normal for yep. custom knife makers that don't make their own. There's a lot of them now
1: that do make their own sheaths. I'm, well, there's a ton of them that do. Usually, yeah. a lot of times, a wife will make the sheath mm-hmm. for a knife maker.
0: Maybe I can teach one of my daughters to do it. There you
1: Perfect.
4: go. <laughs> well, those Jackie, industrial sandwiches aren't that expensive. What, are they I mean, about three grand?
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean Jackie
1: does beautiful leather work and well, she does yeah. stamping and stuff like that.
0: Eventually, I'll have to start bringing some of that stuff in house, but right now, I I just don't have enough time to learn. I'm, I'm sure. Well, you have.
1: How old are your kids now?
0: Uh, I've got a four-year-old a five-year-old and a nine-year-old perfect in russia they'd be working yeah
1: (laughs) get them get them out there right now in india too in india yeah in india they'd be they'd be be using a cutting torch and cutting ships apart (laughs) (laughs) but i mean in the
4: the the meantime meantime, yeah yeah.
3: somebody like greg or somebody you can just send them the knives they'll make the sheaths for you and send them back to you yeah
4: um
3: and if you have patterns that are repeatable then then they actually could make them without having the knives but they but they'd have to be repeatable patterns Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm working. But on we that. still send a knife over, even though we've made thousands of the same knives. I wouldn't want them to actually make a run of sheaths without having one of the knives there. Yeah. So and the first the, one the, comes the, out. The like,
1: two, oh, this isn't yeah. gonna work. Yeah, the
3: two sheath makers that we use, they have a pretty much full <coughs> set of our knives uh-huh. on hand that they can test them as they're doing them
2: one of those just-in-case precautions things. Yeah, well, I mean, we I
3: don't want to get them here and find out
1: they don't fit.
2: Right, or right. or find out after we've already shipped out 500 of them
1: that they right. don't fit. And I'll never forget the, uh, what knife was it uh, They came out with that big-ass paddle sheath? North Star. North Star. The first North Stars mm-hmm. had that big that we all poked fun at. And yeah, there was, it was pictures of it in yeah, the it skyline. Huge, yeah, it pick, it
4: up, pick it up with a crane. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it was just that was way the, too big. That was the funniest. I still have one of those sheets. It's the funniest. There's one around here somewhere. It's funny. Did you, did you ever see those?
4: Uh-uh.
1: it's oh, like oh, it's, 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 it's like this it's wide. wide. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People
3: were putting pictures and they were photoshopping the sheath. With like like a Sigorsky sky
1: crane picking it up. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Then there were some of them Jeez. were like like look like a ship going across the ocean.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was a costly uh, mistake. We had we
1: replaced them all mm-hmm. with sheaths that actually fit. So and that uh, sheath maker hates us now. Yes, he hates us because we poked fun at his design.
4: Because
1: you didn't do that. That no. wasn't you that did that. You just said I need a sheath to go around this and it got to be kind of ruggedized. Well, the
3: first the sampling sent was too tight. us would make it a little wider. We, all, we, we obviously had a little difference in our meetings yeah.
4: of yeah.
1: a little wider. Not that's, so you could put two of them in there. That's the still the one of the funniest things. Yeah. You could use it as a boot. Right. <laughs> yes.
3: I have Florsheim shoes that are smaller than that. <laughs> but, oh, but you God. know, in actuality, if we Oh, a very functional sheet. It, it,
1: for some other knives, well. you know what? It's, you could use it for a lot of different knives if you right. wanted to. You could also use it for jet skis. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> snow skis. It was like a snowboard size. Right. You but, store but, your but snowboard. But actually, <laughs> it, aside from me from
3: costing me a double amount for sheaths, it actually was an awful lot of comedy that we had from. Yes, it, it was a and lot of And it didn't fun. really hurt anything. No.
1: Well, it hurt his feelings. Well, that hurt his feelings. He was he was mad. We he don't was, use him anymore. No. He's probably still mad. Yeah, I think he is, but that's all right. I'm In sure. fact, he's probably so mad, he probably stalks us, and he's probably listening to this right now. Listen, he makes sheaths. Just figuring out a way to get back at it somehow. <laughs> uh, they, they, they make sheaths for a lot of other people, so I think that,
3: they're, that they came out of it unscathed. Yeah. you And they're that a nice family.
1: I bet you're not making that sheath anymore.
3: <laughs> they they could make that sheath for a much bigger knife. You know, that would work. But, but but I mean, and those are the little things that you have, you know. Murphy lives in production. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we run into Mister Murphy all the time. It's, it's one of the the things that you do in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? uh, and you know, and and the old saying: if somebody gives you lemons, you just make some lemonade. That's what yeah, that's you do. Right. You know.
2: You adapt.
1: And that probably sold a lot of knives, making fun of that chief. We
3: have people actually calling us asking if we have any more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that was for the history books. If yeah. anybody ever did a Bark River book, that, yeah, that would, had the, to that would have to be in the that book. That was like that 2004, 2003, yeah. 2004.
0: Yeah. yeah, I think it was 2004. That was a long time ago. That was ten years ago. Your knife she became a meme. <laughs> right. And, and, I mean, before there was such a thing as memes. Right, right. <laughs> that was a meme. it's, just, it's, it's like, you know, that uh, college liberal girl with the dreadlocks, and they put, like, um, All kinds of statements. Is that. is is afraid to eat oh. uh, food with additives. Will take LSD from strangers. Yeah. It's, like, it's that girl yeah. that looks like Harry Potter with yeah. the dreadlocks. Okay, she, she has that a, she
2: got that smug
3: up
4: looking. Yeah, right. Look on her face. But I mean, when it comes
3: to I mean the evolution <laughs> of our so company. Funny. I mean we've changed so much over the years, uh, and we've become more efficient and and uh, the, uh, most of those. I was pawing little,
1: through some stuff the other day and I ran across some barn knives and I was kind of chuckling. Yeah, they're pretty crude compared to what we make today. <laughs> Still very functional. They're Still functional, very but they're functional. Finish Still great finish on those. Knives, but those it's nothing like what we make today. No, uh huh. But then you know, that's everybody's like that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that, that's how you
2: evolve
3: and mm-hmm. how you keep improving.
2: You can definitely see an evolution from the inception of our knives to now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's you can you can not measure you, it almost by the year. In that, that pile up there. Do you have bar knives up there? No, not one. Mm-mm. Yeah. There's none in here, is there, No. Like, that are on the display? I can't afford them. They're too expensive now. Yeah. They're collectors highly items. collectible. <laughs> yeah, they're highly collectible. I can't afford them.
4: Oh, dang. Well, <laughs> 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 I
3: can't. I mean, <clears throat> people always say, like, oh, Mike, you must have a hell of a knife collection. I do not have a hell of a knife collection. Yeah, they all go. Now, they all go out the door. And, uh, you know, I have a handful of knives well, that I use myself. And we have our archive collection.
1: The, but the Mike prototype knives are funny because the, the ones that are they're actually marked Mike's Prototypes. Yeah. Isn't it Mike's Prototypes? Uh, say, say, say Mike's sample, Mike sample, Mike sample, sample.
4: Mike's Sample. Or Mike's Prototype.
3: Yeah, you'll see them up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and every once in a while, one of them will get shipped out.
4: Oh, no, <laughs> really? It It'll does. It.
3: And some, some guy <laughs> will call up and say, I think I got your knife. If they,
2: if they even call,
4: <laughs> got a lot, oh, of, you might lot see of on eBay. Of, right. Twelve
3: thousand dollars. You seen them on eBay. Yeah. This is Mike Stewart's personal knife. You yeah. dingling you got chipped it by accident. <laughs> yeah. I don't really care though, because I mean I have the stencil I like, put on another one.
4: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: But they do occasionally get shipped out of here. That's funny, because I mean they're they're you know when we're trying to fill orders. And the girls you don't know the lines mixed knock in. These,
1: knock the scales off and make these desert ironwood burl. <laughs> right.
3: Well, mine are all black
4: canvas. Everybody knows that. That's a right. big
3: industry joke is that all Mike's knives are black canvas. They don't know why they're all black canvas, which is that my wife doesn't want me to have to keep knives here that customers would want, that are real pretty. Like, I, I really like the sheep horn. I like desert ironwood. And if I go to grab one, she'll say, "That's really a very
1: pretty piece of wood. Ship
3: it to a customer."
1: Is yeah. is uh yeah. is black canvas your least selling color? It's the number one selling. It's the number one selling color.
3: It's also the lowest price point of any run
1: because so, it's, it's
3: cheaper than the other. My card is.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
3: So it's typically ten dollars less than some colors. How can it be cheaper less. than
1: natural? Because they just don't make natural.
3: They don't make enough of it.
1: That's why the price is high. Yeah,
3: they don't make enough
1: because they don't you know, do anything with it, right? With natural, right. it's no, it's just
3: no. They make natu- them for, in, for insulators. They're made for electric, right. electrical insulators. Right. Uh, printed circuit boards right. are usually natural micarta. Um, the killer is maroon. Mm. The maroon linen. Oh my God! I don't. We don't really charge what we should be charging for that.
1: And that's that actually makes a beautiful handle.
3: It is, but it is. They make so little of it.
1: That's like the. That's
3: like three times the price of. of, It's not like thirty bucks more. It's three times the price. That's like the
1: hottest color for uh, kitchen knives too. Well, that's that's what I was going to do.
0: Was I was uh, I had a, a knife mishap the other week that we talked about on one of the podcasts where I forged this like great knife and I had this nice little coffin handle on there and I got it out of the heat treat. And then I was going to go put it in the in the oven to temper it, and I I noticed that it was a little bit off. It was a little bit bent back towards the handle, and I'm like, God damn it! I, I said, well maybe I can just bend that out of there. And I, I took like two fingers to bend it. Snap! <laughs> and now I had a now I had a stick tang. Actually, a stub tang. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I had to take it back and re. Refor- <laughs> you you stuff, lengthened but, the tang.
1: Yeah. You could have yeah. really used it just like that because you're just going to use a pinch grip on it.
0: Yeah, but, you know, so, but, but my, my original plan was to put a coffin handle and then have red scales on there for, uh, Yes. I call my kitchen slayer. <laughs> well,
3: actually, the red linen is, it, my, that's the exception to my, to Mike's personal knives.
1: My kitchen knives are all red linen my micarta.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's beautiful. Yeah. I have a, yep. I have a couple that are red, back in the day when you used to put the splitter in them, mm-hmm. red and gray, and they're, yep. they're beautiful. Beautiful pieces. Yeah. Well, the,
3: the we still, anytime we make any kitchen knives, we still do use a lot of the red linen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the black the canvas is still number one. Now, you don't
1: do those splitters anymore, do you? No. no. Split the, no. Split with the we don't want to talk
3: silver, about that, do we? <laughs> well, I mean, there's nothing <laughs> holding it in there but the yeah. epoxy. Yeah.
1: One ride to dishwasher and you get a warranty yeah. in your yeah. hands. You no. tell people not to put your, absolutely. do not put your stuff in the, I tell it. Well time. you shouldn't put any, any dishwasher. Yeah, any any
2: knife of any real quality that you spend money Well people don't realize the that uh, They're, they're, they're it, pouring it,
3: this detergent in there, which is actually coarse powder. Right.
2: Yeah. And they
3: don't realize that in the dishwasher that powder knocks off all of the dried food.
1: Well it's also knocking off your edge. Right. Well the other thing too, I think, is that yeah. they don't realize that it gets hot. Yeah. I mean, and not the hot water, but usually there's a drying cycle in it drying cycle and it can be up to three hundred degrees in it. Over a period of time. That actually can lower the,
3: the, the that can take sure. the temper out of the blade. Sure. Right. Uh, it takes a lot. Of, it takes. It might take a couple of years, but it does affect it. Yep. Um. It it also depends on the steel. Like 300 degrees will take the temper out of 1095. Right. Right. Now you wouldn't want to put ten ninety five in the dishwasher because <laughs> you'll come out with a rust ball.
0: <laughs>
2: right it would be device. like stained all over everything You'll
3: take a, an orange knife
2: out. <laughs> <laughs> it would be on the plates next to the where you had the
3: knife. Yeah. But even even knife stainless steels are will, will, will rust. Uh, people don't realize that we don't make knives out of stainless steel. We make knives out of something called. A high carbon stain resistant alloy. It is not stainless steel. Right. We can call it stainless steel to the you know till the cows
1: come home. It will rust. There is only one, and that is um, H1 surgical steel. There's no s- <laughs> such thing. Japanese steel. surgical steel. What was on sale that week? That's
3: right. <laughs> when when you see stainless flatware, that's really made from stainless steel. Right. You can't. That's why you can't harden a butter knife. That's right. It's non-hardenable. Stainless steel is non-hardenable. So when 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 people say, "Well, this won't rust. It's stainless steel." If it's a knife, yeah, it will. It will rust. And the the degree of how much it can rust will depend on its chromium content. Well, if you none of them have more than 18 percent chromium. Real stainless steel is half chromium. (laughs) That's why you can't harden it. So, it, it, you're, uh, that, that nomenclature changed in the steel industry. In the early 70s, we went from calling these high-carbon, stain-resistant alloys to stainless steel. Like, if you call a steel supply, well, I, well, I want to buy some hardenable stainless. Well, there was no such thing prior to that. It was stainless, and then there were high-carbon, stain-resistant alloys. They weren't called stainless steel. Now they are. We call them stainless steel, but yes, they will rust.
0: So you have to be careful with them, not as careful as a carbon blade, but you still have to be careful well, with them. and I might have to cut this out, but in the early 70s, like they hadn't discovered a razor yet.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess I wouldn't have to cut that out no. because they haven't...
4: It's
1: not smell-o-vision. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Oh,
4: God. <laughs> But, um...
3: changed a tremendous amount, it, you know, in the last, oh, 15 or 20 years, and um, we've gotten more high-tech when it comes to steels, and we're using steels. They weren't necessarily designed for knives, but they, but they are hardenable,
1: so we find ourselves using a lot of these exotic alloys. used to crack me up, all of those knives that came from Japan back in the 70s that, that said surgical steel. Or they still do. Taylor, Some of them still Taylor do. Taylor brought in up. I think he, who else was bringing I'm those in? Taylor's, or else? Fr- Frost, Frost. There were a bunch of them
3: who we were bringing them in. Parker. Parker. Yeah. And, and they would actually brag that it was state, it was surgical, surgical steel. Surgical. Steel they steel. still do, and it's like the it's like the laughter of the cheap knife crowd. Yeah. They said, well, this here's surgical steel. It's, yeah. it's the best. And, cause there's no there's actually no such thing as surgical steel.
0: Did you ever see a knife that said that? Yeah, yeah. That that was like a marketing thing back. It still is. They still use ago. it. The DK cheap guys. All the, the cheap Chinese and Pakistan
3: knives—they they say these are high-quality surgical steel. But then you know it doesn't matter that there's no such thing. People believe what you tell them to believe.
0: Well, and and as a surgeon, um, the the steel that we actually use for our scalpels—it's like a little clip-on uh, thing. You have a scalpel handle with a with a with a hmm. peg, and then the the uh, scalpel blade slips over that play, peg. And as soon as it dulls, which is very quickly. You just take that one off, throw it away, and put
1: another one. I, I think what you should make is custom uh, surgical handles for the throwaway blades. The, the problem <laughs> would be that, um, like... Uh, they'd have to be autoclavable. Yeah, they'd have to be autoclavable. Is that even a word? Yes. Autoclavable? Well, that's what the word we use. Is it real? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <it laughs> if if everyone everyone that is, is going to understand yeah. what you're talking it's, about. Called, it's called colloquial acceptance. Well, you know what we're going to get the. That, we'll get emails from people that say, that's not a word. I looked it up. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> not <a> Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, let's just call it a medical term and not worry about it. Okay. Right. It's, a, a new, it's a new medical Give term. it a Latin name. You'll be good.
4: Yeah. They're like,
3: <laughs> yeah there you go. The, the whole industry has really changed an awful lot. And. Um, that has changed the customer, because if 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 we look back at this when I first got in it, no one really cared what kind of sheath the knife came in, and they were cheap leather riveted together. They just and everybody to just stuck the knife. their knife in it. Right. They just had to hold the knife. Now, if 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 you if, even low quality knives have what I would consider a very high quality sheath, based upon how knives were in the fifties or the sixties. So. The customers are, are, are really um, more in tune with what the sheath ought to be. What steel, I mean, there's all kinds of people out there that, that are, they admit they're steel junkies. I have customers like that. We make our base steels A2. There's not much you can't do with that. But we have customers that would prefer 3V or S35VN. Or And now we're making back. Well, think,
1: think back about uh, during the during the 40s. I mean, they were making it out of whatever they could make. Yep. Whatever happened to be they could get a hold of, and they well, would be treated. And I mean, they're all the same. All have those. you ever
3: seen the blueprints for a k-bar? The mm-hmm. actual blueprints. Mm-hmm. Well, how they how they identified hardness was in the old terms. The tang was supposed to be half hard. Mm-hmm. That was the actual wow. description: half hard blade, full hard. Mm-hmm. That actually meant around fifty three Rockwell.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It did not mean fifty eight. It did not mean 60. It meant around 53, 54. But there
1: was a reason for that. So you could sharpen well, it. So you could sharpen it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, but and that's even what we were talking about before, like the, the the whole, the way they heat treated them and the steels that they were using was stuff that, and I think we talked about this last time, the the steels that they were using were um, very forgiving mm-hmm. in the
3: heat treat yeah, process. Yeah, 10, 10, 1075, 1080. And, you know, if you made a mistake a few degrees
1: one way or another, it didn't make any right, difference. Right, The profiles, that, well, that was the, that was the big thing was some guys would like, would have a batch that maybe held an edge a little longer, but didn't sharpen as but easy or, or vice versa, you know. What's the thickness of a K-bar?
3: This is what okay. people, people are thin. Yeah. It it like it's like an eighth
0: or less,
1: right? No, it's,
3: it's 147.
0: 147, right.
3: Now, why, why is that critical?
4: K bars are made out of what steel?
3: Stamp it. No. K bars are made out of what steel? 1095, no. Okay. 1095. So when you heat treat 1095 and it's over 147 thick, and you do it a little bit wrong, what happens?
2: Ooh. Crack. The
3: center's soft. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It doesn't through hard really. <clears throat> Yeah. Right, which means your edge will be perpetually soft, right? right. Well I, eventually.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. But I mean the point is that. By, make, by limiting it to 147, when they quench it, the blade's through-hardened. <clears throat> yeah, but
1: that's not... They weren't always that, were they? Yes, always. They were all, they've always been 1095? Yes. K-bars have always been 1095. Yes. Now, during the war, were some of
3: them 1075? I'm sure they were. Yeah. Only because they couldn't get 1095. Yeah. But, but the point is, as soon as you get to a certain thickness with 1095, it's very difficult to through-harden it. You've got a window... Of maybe eight seconds to go from fire to quench or it's not going to through harden if it's over 147 thick
4: mm-hmm.
3: but if it's at 147 or thinner you've got 13 or 14 seconds so mm-hmm. they what they were doing was ensuring that the blades actually were through hardened All right you get people that you're using 1095 quarter inch thick Man, they got like three seconds to get that thing in the oil. Or it's going to be soft in the center. Hmm. It's it's never going to go to full heart. So, I mean, when we use 1095 that's that thick, you know, and I'm going to say something that some people don't know, but people who make knives do. It's in a drop oven. The bottom floor of the oven drops open into the oil tank. Right. That's how fast it has to be to quench 1095. If you want it through hardened, if it's a thick cross section, there, there's there. And I, and, I, and I think I want to say something that Tim said last time, which was it isn't the Rockwell you got it to. It's how you got it there. Right. That's so important with heat treat. And people really don't understand that. And consumers shouldn't have to worry about it. They should assume if I buy a, com- a knife from X company that it's heat treated right. And, and, and by and large, they are. You know, I mean today companies understand that and they're not haphazard about any part of their manufacture. I'm not saying Bark River, I'm
1: saying all the knife companies. Yeah. You know, I don't know, I get I get some Pakistani they're um, not knife companies. Those are <laughs> those are knife shaped objects. <laughs> I get some I get some yeah. stuff from some Pakistani people that are Yeah. Jim, do you have to cut out? I actually do. Alright, well thanks thanks for being on the podcast Thanks for being here Absolutely, thank you guys for having me I'm sorry I couldn't stay for the whole thing That's okay, uh, we'll talk about you when you're gone I'm
2: sure you will, that's fine (laughs) I'll be listening later (laughs) (laughs)
4: I'll
2: I'll know where to send the
1: bombs (laughs) (laughs) You stay out of trouble I will try He's got to go out to dinner with his wife Sweet, who's babysitting?
2: Um, I don't know her name Oh, uh oh (laughs) Which well, might be a good thing, as long as one of you knows their names. Okay. Yeah, Abby's got to take care of. Him. I don't know. <laughs> That's right.
1: probably important. All, All right. right, so be thank careful. you.
2: Absolutely, thank you guys. The same Thanks trip. for the yeah, knife yeah, sharpening sure. too.
3: Absolutely. Yep. Bye. So I mean, the, the the changes in the industry have been have been dramatic since I've been in, and I haven't been in. It
1: well, I think the other thing too is the I think the education level of the consumer has has maybe even caused a lot of that too. <laughs> Forums and stuff. Yeah, I think I think uh, if you think about 1998, 19 and prior, you looked at the big knife companies. But what were they using for their steel? What was Schrade using for their steel? What was K-Bar? K-Bar hasn't changed much, but but well, K-bar, they, K-Bar now makes knives in D2 also. Yeah. And, but they but uh, prior to that, pretty much they made knives out of whatever. nobody really much cared. I mean, you heard some, like, uh, uh, Schrade had some proprietary steels that they used. It was 1080. Yeah. And and people didn't care. No, because the knife worked. Because the knife worked. And that was the key. The knife had to work. Right. They didn't hold an edge real well, but you could sharpen it. And today, I think it's just almost just the opposite. People don't even, a lot of these knives that are real fancy, using fancy steels, costing lots of money, barely get a chance to get used well, i mean i don't either. know what the number is i mean i've, no, heard, I I've heard i've heard percentages from you know different people in the industry but it's it's nowhere near what it was 50 years ago if you buy a knife today that's made from an exotic uh, whether it's a, any of
3: the powdered steels and the knife is made to be 60 rockwell or 61 rockwell not only are you buying that knife you have to you have to actually be prepared to sharpen it. Yes, that's the that becomes the big problem. And that becomes the big problem. They're not easy to sharpen. By the way, we used to sharpen knives, or our grandpa used to sharpen knives. Well, even
1: even you know what I hear I hear this from people all the time when they say, "You carry a three hundred dollar folding knife? You carry a three hundred dollar pocket? knife? Aren't you? F- I would never carry a three hundred dollar pocket knife. I don't. I would not want to lose that." And so that's the you're you're dealing with that segment too. Yes. Of of people that you know they they buy something real expensive and they don't want to use it. They don't want to carry it. They don't want to you know. And if it's a if it's a maker that they think it's a it's going to be some kind of an investment, so they they don't want to put a mark on it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's not used that way. I mean I'm I'm quite a bit different than a lot of guys because I I don't have anything in my collection that doesn't have stains on the plate. Yeah. Yeah, I wipe stuff down, but I still I use my stuff. I, I, I don't it. have
3: any knives that I don't use.
1: Yeah, and I don't care
3: what the knife costs. If if I want to use it, I'm going. If I buy it, it means I'm going to use it.
1: And yeah, I've always felt that that was cost. what my joy was, was not just standing there and holding it and flicking it, and was was actually taking it out and using it and cutting and carving and. Yep, you
0: know. and that's and that's how you know it's a good knife. Mm-hmm. And that I mean how. You see these videos, I see a lot of videos where somebody's reviewing a knife, and they take it out of the box and then review it. Right. Like, how do you how do you know any of this stuff you're saying? I just saw you pull it out of the box.
1: Right. You unboxed it in yeah. front of me. You cut the tape in front of me. Yeah. So,
0: like, how <laughs> how do you know that that's a good knife? Yeah. You know, you, you can show me the features,
1: but showing somebody the features, that's not a review. No. Like, no, and we were talking about that at one time actually coming down with a set of criteria to actually do review you know to really do a good review of a knife yeah and it's it's really not easy because because I, I really i save a lot of my opinions about a different knife style for actually using it and carrying it for a long time
4: mm-hmm.
1: and and that's why a lot of my everyday pic- carry pictures or if, if some of you <coughs> know what the hell it is i'm carrying a lot of times i fall back to this The same folding knives all the time because I and I have a lot of folding knives, but I always fall back to ones that I know are gonna perform a certain way. I know I can sharpen it. I I, I I also think that
3: that old timers like me have to change our views on some of these things. They do these unboxing videos. I thought that was ridiculous. They're extremely popular. Oh yeah. And you know if they what it does is show the product like a first look at the product. And right. An awful lot of people really do want to see them. They're of little use to me, but I think that, that, that they're becoming more and more popular. Tabletop reviews are another one that people are doing. Now, they'll cut some paper or cut a piece of string or something. I don't find that particularly useful. There are people who really enjoy using them. I prefer a review where a guy's actually cutting things with the knife
1: or, or chopping things or whatever the knife was designed to do. You know, a real typical thing that I'll do, you know, like let's, somebody will send me something and, uh, and I will, uh, I will use it for like a week and I'll use it in the, you know, I'll, I'll start out using it in the kitchen. I'll wash it down really good. I'll use it to, like if I'm making, uh, um, I'm buying pork loins and making Canadian bacon or something like that, I'll divide up the, the, the pork and and i'll use whatever particular i mean i've used <laughs> used one of these quite a quite often doing that yeah you know dividing up dividing up meat and and uh or cutting vegetables or doing and then and then after it's done that then i'll go outside and i'll you know i'll carry it for a week and use it around the house use it around you know if i'm going somewhere i'll i'll, I'll bring it along with and and actually use it and i think then after using it for a period of time, then I'll form some kind of opinion, and then I'll, I'll do feedback that way. Mm-hmm. But, but just to just to just to hold it and twist it around in my hands and feel the edge, and it never really did much for me. I don't I don't know if it really gives you a good idea of what the knife. One, one of the most comical it. ones I saw was a, a young guy who came
3: to a conclusion that S thirty five VN wasn't any good. And what he was doing was he was cutting like, um, not Manila rope, but maybe some kind of nylon rope on his mom's dryer lid.
4: <laughs> and, and his mom's like, "What right. are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you he didn't hear
3: that in the background, but you know, it 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 what he was doing was dulling the knife, and he and he was he was trying to push cut into a dryer lid, and. I'm not sure which steel that he thought should hold up to that and not roll over or get dull or well, that's whatever like, that's like I me mean, he, it, he wasn't qualified to do a video. all he did was prove that he knew how to upload one well <laughs> yeah
1: did did the uh, is the hockey mask guy still around i think he i think he, he retired
0: yeah he he doesn't i think he who? morphed into somebody else does anybody
1: else actually did anybody figure out who he actually was? There's there's some Justin real song
0: strong suspicions.
1: Well Just no Justin mm-hmm. knows who he is. I'll have to ask him. Because yeah. I I thought when I would I watched I think one. One of his videos and I and I didn't watch the whole thing. I mean I just kinda like pushed forward, pushed forward, pushed forward until I was
4: Yeah.
1: And I just kinda saw what he had done to the knife and I thought to myself and I, and I've talked to a lot of people about it, about how these were very entertaining for people. They love to watch this destruction going on. And I couldn't figure out what he was actually trying to do, because he was calling those reviews. Yeah, and just and destructive he was just breaking. He was just breaking shit.
4: Yeah. All, yeah, he broke he broke
3: one of our Bravo ones, and he's one of the few people that ever did. Um, but I think he, he put it in a vise and hit it on the side with a sledgehammer or something.
1: Yeah, well, that's and that's what the kind of stuff <laughs> you know, that he was doing. Yeah, like, you, know, you I, know, like he would he would drive I normally you. don't do that in using no, a knife. No, I I've never seen the reason to do that. <laughs> You know, or, uh, you know I mean
3: it might have started with Lynn with the car with the car doors you know where he was pu- poking the tanto through the car doors Yeah, and it's like I've never been attacked by a car door so I never really like worried about slashing
0: sling. boots full of meat and stuff oh, hey know. look Lynn's got his own style
3: he cannot <laughs> knock success we can say whatever we want about Lynn yeah, he's the guy one. sells one
1: heck of a lot of
3: knives and you, you know, know what
1: he, so he has, has probably <laughs> out of all the knife companies that are around he's probably got one of the one of the best value knives for the for the money. Most well, they're all made
3: overseas now, so the prices are very reasonable for what he does. Right. I, you know, and I mean, one of my rubs about the way people talk about when Yes, he does silly stuff, and he wears uh, what are those biking shorts or mm-hmm. whatever, and people make oh, fun of him. Oh, really? <laughs> but the, but the point is, the point is, does does everybody understand that? What we all call an American Tonto didn't exist until he made them. Right, yeah, and I've a, never seen anybody said <laughs> this is a Lynn Thompson style Tonto. Yeah, and people have made millions of dollars over the years off of something that he designed.
1: Yeah, and he and doesn't even get any credit for once, it. Once again, that's the. Now that's keep, the I'm, I'm also
3: I'm no apologist for Lynn. We're no. not friends. <laughs> no. I know him, you know, and I've I've been in his company. A few years. I haven't either, and we're and we're not exactly friends. But the point is that.
1: Yeah, yeah he, he doesn't get any credit for no, that, and he should. He should. That's that's like one of those things that, uh, like the trademark patent thing that we were, we've been wrestling with for the past couple couple podcasts, um, and actually prompted an article. uh yeah. in uh,
0: Everyday Commentary. Everyday, Everyday Commentary dot com has uh, this guy's uh he's one of our listeners, and he uh, actually is a lawyer, and he kind of goes through. It sounds like it's going to be a multi part article, but he kind of goes through the difference between a a trademark and a patent and and a copyright Mm -hmm. and all these sorts of things. They're all very different. And um, he did a trademark search for a bunch of different things. And it turns out that the things that some people are saying they have a trademark on, they actually don't. So, (laughs) copy away.
4: (laughs) Well, and that's
0: also, people
3: don't understand that, that. if you are awarded a trademark or a copyright or a patent, it is your responsibility to, to renew it. it and to enforce it right when we have these Chinese clones come in
1: where they've knocked off somebody's knife and they even have the person's name right. on the knife and and, and all of, I mean all the paperwork in the box and everything looks like right. it came from so people I, you see people on forums say, well what the hell customs didn't catch that?
3: It's not Customs' job to catch it. Right. It's just, it's Customs' job to enforce it once you initiate a complaint. Right. But if you don't initiate a complaint, right. they don't know what to look for. Right. They're, I mean, I don't think Customs is the world's best agency, but guess what? They're not mind readers. Nope. They couldn't possibly know that something's counterfeit unless someone points it out to them. Right.
4: Yeah.
0: If you don't take a temperature, you won't find a fever. Well, and it's it's
1: that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah, and it's not like they. I mean, most people don't even know the difference between the two. Knife people do. Mm-hmm. Knife people know just by the price, right? Yeah, it's one simple litmus test. Yeah, you know, it's it's oh my god. Yeah, when, when you when when you see a, a Chris Reeve Sabenza for fifty
3: nine ninety five. Yeah, you could pretty much guess that it's a clone. Yep. Yep. No matter how it's marked. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, and um. <clears throat> We also, we, I mean, we, we had a similar problem where I, we had to go to the State Department where somebody in China registered our name. and That's always nice, too. Well, I, I went right, right to the State Department and got the whole thing quashed. But had I not had the diligence to do that, there could be a whole bunch of Chinese
1: made Bark River knives floating around. And we know that they don't exist. Right. Because they are all made here. Right in this building. Right in this building. Yeah. But... The, but I mean, um and, but, and, and i company. certainly
3: empathize with other companies oh yeah um, that have well had and that problem
1: and it, and it, it is a it is a big problem i think i, think I mean i too. think it's a huge problem and and i i hope that everybody that gets knocked off does get a hold of the proper authorities and get it taken care of yeah you know get the word out there get to the you know get to the media outlets and let them know that this is going on and it, it will stop um because they're all come they must all be coming from China. Well they are. They're all. I don't. I don't think the. Uh, I don't think Pakistan is uh, advanced enough, enough, to, <laughs> to, enough to do it. To, 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 to make something <laughs> it's like that. Kind
0: of hard dodging uh, bullets fired from drones to be <laughs> making <laughs> Well, the point <laughs> is, I mean, the
1: Pakistanis have been making
3: knife-shaped objects for a long time. You're um, reluctant to call them knives. <laughs> you can't even sharpen them. They just—you can make are, the blades smaller, but
1: you can't get it sharp. But in all fairness, a lot of the stuff that's in the in the Middle East and the, and the Southwest Southwest Asia are ornamental. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they're supposed to be ornamental. They're not right. made to be. A lot of the, the quote-unquote Persian daggers are actually just ceremonial-looking things. Right. They're they're they're. they're Part of their um, their traditional cigar. their their culture. Yeah.
3: We're, wearing fancy knives and stuff yeah. is part of their culture. Yeah. yeah. And they're not really designed to cut anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is that they bring them in here and people expect them to behave like knives. You know, and it's like the, the there's a whole there's a couple companies that sell these Pakistani Damascus knives and they mm-hmm. really are they're highly ornate and at a, and in a picture they look nice. When you actually get them in their hand, they're very crude. Right.
0: You yeah. know. And, yeah. When the edge of Damascus cuts the, the, you. <laughs>
3: Well, they're probably worth the $28 you paid for it. <laughs> where, where, I mean, a real, a, a, a real D- Damascus blade knife, you'd be lucky to find one for $28 a blade inch, let alone $28 for a whole completed knife. You know,
1: knife. Tim, Tim made a, a Persian dagger. Tim Zawada made a Persian dagger probably, I don't know, must have been 20 years ago. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece of, of art and i don't i don't know who owned, i think he only made one of them, but it's incredibly beautiful i don't know who owns it but i wish i did well i think that making damascus
3: uh well which i mean making folded steel which which what we call damascus that's not really damascus but that's what we call it folded pattern steel or patterned welded steel is an art form mm-hmm. and can you make them functional absolutely mm-hmm. but you can't make them functional for 1995 no no. You can pretty much count on a, a cheap Damascus knife. Yes, it's folded something. It may not be steel. There may be something else in there. Besides but a lot of people don't.
1: A lot of people don't realize it too. Is a lot of the knife makers will take Damascus and they'll um, weld an edge into it. Yes. Because they can't sharpen the piece of Damascus that they made, so they weld an edge in it that they, that it actually has a cutting edge that'll cut. Yeah, I mean, which it, is kind it, of interesting. I mean, just because something is pattern-welded steel doesn't mean that
3: it's actually usable as a knife. Right. Because it depends on what steels you folded into it.
0: Yeah, because a, a lot of the Damascuses that I've seen, and, and one that I was reading about in a, in a book on making knives that I have, he was taking mild steel and 1095 and folding them together, and I'm like, well, well how, you, you how would, is that going to, like, how does that work?
3: Well, which like, layer ended up on
0: the edge?
1: Right. Well, and that's Is it what the general, mild steel on the what, edge, or the yeah. or the hardened steel well, on the then, edge.
0: Well, but then but then once you sharpen back, then you're going to be into the mild steel layer. You know, over. Well, line. if there,
3: let's say that there's 300 layers. Yeah. One of those layers, or five of those layers, are going to be on the edge. Yeah. So if three out of the five on the edge are hardened steel, it may act like it does. But when you sharpen it. Then the next time you sharpen it, it might have four mild right. steel layers, and, and that's what and, yeah. and that's what
1: Tim was saying is that's why you weld in a cutting edge of known that that you know what it is you yeah. weld you weld that in as the cutting edge.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's or you use two different grades of hardenable steel. Right, but even then, which one do you? I mean, they'd have to be almost identical
4: because
1: um, the, because the heat treat pattern can is going be a different. little different. That's, it's like
3: uh, uh, that 15N. Um, 20, that's hardenable. Yeah. So you marry that with 5160, or you marry that with
1: with 1095, you're going to get a cuttable edge. Or, as, as, or like he was saying, like he does a lot of meteorite stuff. Yeah. So you have a piece of space rocket, you have no idea what the hell that is, and that's why... Well,
3: meteorite knives, unless you weld an edge in them, they aren't going to cut anything. They're pretty, but they right. don't cut... They ain't cutting nothing. <laughs> and that, that was But lying. they sure
1: are pretty. Yeah.
0: Well, and I, I was... Uh, I was reading somewhere in some magazine that uh, there was a controversy several years ago that, you know, you'd, you'd go to a, a blade show and these famous knife makers that have these, like, gorgeous knives, but then they weren't making them out of, like, actual blade steel. They were making them out of something else. Oh, and yeah. And people oh, yeah. would question them on it. They'd be like, oh, well, this is a, this is supposed to be an art piece, not a, a usable There knife. was
1: a period of time when, and I don't I don't want to name anybody's names, but there were guys that were big name guys that were making knives and they were calling it Blade Steel X, like a real blade steel, but it was made out of something else that was way less expensive. Yeah, see, I've never actually run into that. Oh, no, no, never? No, well, I probably didn't ask. You know,
3: um, (laughs) in in my younger days, when I went to a knife show, I was selling stuff. Yeah. yeah. So it really didn't matter what anybody else was selling, so I didn't pay attention. Right.
1: Well, that was, and I don't even know, uh, some of those guys got caught, and I don't think, I don't think that uh, it's an issue today. Uh I think usually a knife maker will produce a receipt of the steel that he bought to grind a particular blade.
0: Yeah, but but this was just a couple years ago. It flared up again. These guys were making these like really fancy things. They weren't claiming that it was like mystery steel X. They just didn't say. But then it turns out they're like grinding it out of like. Well, I think a lot of the art knives are made
1: out of. What is it? 420. 420. Yeah, that's. A, I think a lot of art knives are made out of 420. 420 and
0: is a good steel to make art knives
3: yeah. out of because you can get a really nice finish on 420. Yeah. You can actually get it like 50, 52 Rockwell so that it's not so that it'll it'll ha- it'll appear to have that edge stability. Yeah. And if and if it's obviously some gold inlaid. You know, you're never going to cut anything Nobody's going to cut anything with it. Yeah, Just, don't really Just don't lie. Just don't lie as to what it is. Yeah. And you're fine. Just say, yeah. yep, this is an art knife. It's made from 420 or 420J or 428C or but, but there were or,
1: custom or, or makers that 48. were making knives that were, that were, were higher-end folders that were not what they claimed they, they were. Hmm. That was in the 90s. Yeah, that got by me. I mean, I, I never saw that, to be honest with
3: you.
4: Yeah.
3: Hmm. But, but, I mean, it's really... There's there's really only a couple kinds of steel as far as price. You know you're looking at at you know 1095, 52100, 1075. You know they're like two bucks or you know four bucks. It depends on what level you're buying them. And then you step up into like the 440s. The 440C makes one hell of a good knife. It Mm -hmm. still does. That was the super steel of the of, of years ago 440C mm-hmm. was the super steel. Right. So you're looking at 5 or 8 dollars a pound, but when you jump up into the CPM steels, you know, now now we're into double digit per pound.
1: Right. So if and not only that, you're not only the price of the steel but the price of the abrasive it's a lot harder to work. It's a lot it's, harder to work with, yeah. then it's the, then you got another t- longer time element. Right. More so there's bigger. a there's a lot there's things go up geometrically mm-hmm. when you get to that point in time. And then the heat treat profiles cost more money. Well, obviously, the more wear resistant a steel is, the right.
3: longer it's going to take to finish it. The more abrasives you're right. going to use to grind it. That has to be figured into the price, unless you're just a hobby guy. Yep. you know, and he should figure it in too. From where I stand, he should. Nobody should lose money in, with a hobby. Right. You know, they should. They should well, make money right. on it. Well, that must be nice to have that kind of income where they're, they're worried about tax write-offs. Most of us worry about making a profit. Which is I
1: can't remember that. Every time I see that in, a, in the forums, I always laugh about the, you can take a write-off for gambling. You can write off the amount of losses, but it has to be equaled with the amount of income before you can write off the losses or something like that. And then there's something about uh, hobby losses. If you have a hobby, you can, oh, you can claim a hobby loss. Which I thought was kind I didn't know of an you odd thing to have on a tax form, but... Yeah. I don't yeah. to, I don't, this is not a hobby, so I don't yeah. have to worry about no. it. Yeah. But, but no, the, but you are uh, but you probably could write off your uh, cooking as a hobby. Yeah, I don't do that, but
3: I, I, I probably could. For researching me?
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah, I probably could, but I don't do that. <laughs> I just, I enjoy it too
1: I'm much. I'm going to write off my trip to Italy to research my food hobby, my eating hobby. There you go. <laughs> My maintain my my sustenance sus, sustaining maintenance hobby. Yeah. But, but see, had you
3: had you gone to a couple knife factories while you were there? You, you know, I tried to off. I tried to go to
1: Lion Steel when I was there, but the plant was closed. Mm. We were we were two hours by car from. Is it Ma- Maniago? Maniago. Yeah,
4: there's Is Maniago. that where? Uh,
1: Maniago. Isn't that where we just looked at something the other day that was? I think. Don't they make balsamic vinegar there? I think the balsamic yes. vinegar I just gave you is from there. Mm-hmm. That's the good stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah and and uh, but it was funny because I was trading emails with with him uh, while while I was there, and it just they were on they closed the plant for like two weeks or three weeks or something like that because everybody was on vacation in July. Yeah, when we were there. Yeah, and in so July they closed now. Uh, okay. So that was the end of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, um, I suppose we should say, uh, you know, the Bark River
1: Grindin is coming up in March. It's it's what March uh, fourteenth to sixteenth. Fourteenth yep, to the sixteenth. That's called the Ice In. Yep. And that's where uh, you can come up here and for a meager price of about a couple hundred bucks, make a knife for the weekend, get some meals, meet meet some people, meet some learn nice a lot people. of stuff. You know all you know you can. Poke, poke fun at everybody that's not here. Yeah. That's then, one of the rules. Then poke fun at, like, the disaster knives that come out. <laughs> Actually, you know what? It's surprising how good they come out. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I've been coming to these for quite a few years, and and i got to tell you, they're, the knives get better and better every year. And there's a lot of people that have been to almost every one of them, hmm. which is amazing to me. Yeah. But the but the crew here is real easy to work with. It's they're a lot of fun. It's
0: Yeah, and you you just learn a ton. You know, it's it's worth the money just for that.
1: Yep, and then you leave with a nice blade.
0: Yep. Yeah, you get a leave with a nice blade with a sheath and all of that and you know I don't know. Well, how I, I think wrong. That with the grind ins, most people realize after they've been to one that
3: making the knife is not as much fun as the fun we have for the rest of the weekend. Oh, yeah. Boy, yeah, there's, it's, no doubt. you know, and yeah. and and it's all legal fun. It's and, and everybody's got their clothes on. And everybody's got their clothes on. Grinders well, not. Are I don't not, know. They're not so clothing optional. I've, I. <laughs> yeah, they're not clothing. After
1: optional. the party, I've seen some pretty wild
3: stuff. I I am not saying a word <laughs> <laughs> <but> there. <laughs> this one in March is going to be interesting. We're going to have a bunch of different blanks, besides the rectangles. and We're going to have some different steels that we we're going to encourage people to try. We've been um,
0: plugging the. Uh, We've been plugging the uh, special project.
3: Oh yeah,
4: yeah, we'll yeah. have some of those.
0: Yeah, so uh, if if people haven't heard, uh, Jim and I have been in this big, huge, long discussion about the tracker knife, and uh, neither one of us have really used one, and we're you know we're like, well, what's the deal? You know, why do why do people love them or hate them? And We started looking, and I I went to look to try to buy one. And the one that um, Chance Sanders recommended is a thousand bucks. And I'm like, I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars to get a knife that I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. So then we got the idea, well, let's go to the grinding and grind one. And then Mike jumped on board, and now he's going to have some blanks for yeah, we're going to cut some out yeah. And so you can, you can start with a blank, and instead of paying a $1,000 for a knife, you know, you can make it yourself, you know, get a nice little handle on there. And
2: yeah. I mean, we're, we'll, we'll have a bunch of those blanks uh, yeah. that
0: people can use. Um, and we'll have
3: all the rectangles where they can design their own. Yep. Um, and then I've got a, a couple more surprises of some other blanks that we're going to cut out. Cool. Um, uh, I'm sending Larry a bunch of drawings for him to, to just create a quick water jet path and cut them out. And then they'll all be heat treated. And we're going to try some different steels. Uh, I'm going to have some X, XHP uh, carpenter steel, real thin for, like, kitchen knives and stuff. We'll have some of
1: that. Um, Which, by the way, if you haven't made a kitchen knife, you, after you make one of these knives up here, you don't want to use anything else. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things that I figured out along the way it was after, after using one of these knives, you don't want to, you don't want to use a, one of the other brands. Very few knives that cut as well. Well, and also we we do
3: not, we're not members of the foodie elite, (laughs) so we violate kitchen knife rules, and we have a tendency to design kitchen knives that people that are used to hunting knives and tactical knives actually feel comfortable with in their hand. They don't have the traditional kitchen knife handles. They have more like sporting knife handles. So it's like it's like you're picking up an old friend yep. you know and you're going to use it in the kitchen, yep. so we put a kitchen blade, and also, I like to design them so that you can have enough cutting curve even though it's subtle, so that you can use uh you, you can use it for rocking, you can use it for dicing um, so I make them a little bit more versatile and not quite so specialized as a lot of the the real high
1: end kitchen knives are today they're very although, specialized, although it defeats the purpose I mean I know a lot of the the guys that love I mean, there's a lot of people that love kitchen knives the way we love all knives yes oh absolutely and they have just a totally. bigger collection of just kitchen knives well they spend That's, more money than any of, uh, any of us do <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> yep. yeah. and they're and they're actually usually quite a fancy collection of fancy expensive Japanese custom yep. maker from Canada you know, all over the place, there's there's real high-end custom kitchen knife makers, yep. and they're not cheap knives. They're very, oh, very I've expensive. Oh, I see some of them
3: for fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars, yep. yep. and people use them cutting tomatoes, which yep. is fine. I I actually like that. I like the fact that they'll take an expensive knife and actually use it. Yeah,
4: yeah.
3: Um, at, we make all of our knives for people to use. We realize a great percentage of them never get used, so I like it when I find out that people are using.
1: Well, I don't know if that's even with the kit with the kitchen knives. I don't believe. That that's the case with, with your kitchen knives. I'll bet you that... No, ours get used. Yeah, I'll bet you that the, there's an extremely high percentage of the kitchen knives... Yeah, that the you ones made, we make, yeah, they get used. Get used. Yeah. But well, we see it
3: on the forums, mm-hmm. and, you know, people, you know,
1: are... And they send them a lot. A lot of people will send them in to get them re-sharpened. Yep. I have a Yep. Um, I have a magnet that's got, I don't know, a dozen, half a dozen Bark River kitchen knives on it, and I use them all the time. That there, there's one for slicing, that is like the the perfect one to buy um, beef loins uh-huh. and slice up steaks. Yeah, you mean the kitchen the kitchen carver. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think we'll ever make those again. Yeah, that's a freaking
3: why. Nobody be- didn't sell well. They, right, because I I have to be sensitive to what sells through for my dealers and yeah. distributors. I I don't want to come out with a model that like well Jim Nokan, and I really like this so we,
1: so we, we made a thousand of them and you guys got to have them on the shelf yeah but you know, it's not fair to them
3: for them to have a, an overstock right. of stuff. And, and I
1: like that knife because of like I said what I don't I rarely buy a, a steak anymore what I usually do is I'll buy a whole loin and then slice it up mm-hmm. and it's just cheaper to buy it that way and uh and then I use a food saver and I them. And I know that's probably not the best thing to do, but, you know, usually it's... I usually eat them up fast enough that they're not in the freezer very long. Mm-hmm. Um, but that knife is particularly perfect for... Yeah, the kitchen to, carver, to I put do a lot that. of
3: time in the design, and it really, it really makes cutting meat easy. Yes. The problem is that, that they really didn't dance off the <laughs> shells very well. And <laughs> And I, and I have two distributors that told me that if I make any more of them, they're going to just shoot me. Yeah.
1: You know, so I think we're probably not going well, to make that's, any of those. You know, you can't do that. You can't do that. And, and like I said, it, it's, it's one of the knives that you made that was really a specialty knife.
4: Yeah. You
1: know, it really was made just to, to slice meat like that.
3: And, and I'm not afraid to make specialty knives. Making them the second time, if they don't sell, <laughs> is, a, is an issue. You
1: know,
3: because I, I, mean, I mean, I've got a responsibility to my distributors sure. and sure. my dealers. Not to not to have them load up their shelves with stuff that's not going to sell or that they have right. to close out. You know that's. I mean, I it like our knives to
1: sell through at the rate that we make them. Yeah, it's important. I didn't realize that that was a stinker. It was. <laughs> it was. I didn't realize that was a stinker. Yeah, that's I, I love mine. I still use it all the no, time. Oh, it's. That's that's like one of my favorite. Ones. Well,
3: even people that have them on the forum use them all the time, and they mm-hmm. love them too. Mm-hmm. But it's not enough impetus to make us make another run of them. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Well if
3: you have one you, want <laughs> you don't need to Luckily it it uses the same handle as our other knives yeah. so I didn't lose my butt on the on the handle tooling <laughs> You know the blade grinding tool yeah I lost my butt on it but I mean that happens and I I never worry about that yeah. you know if if we lose 12,1500 bucks on tooling you know we at least we learned don't make that one again <laughs>
1: <laughs> You make it up in volume We (laughs) We make $5 in every blade, blade, but we make it up in volume.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, and we, and, you know, we make, uh, we must have about 85 models.
1: And we don't make all of them,
3: we don't make every single model even in the course of a year. Some of them we don't even make for every two years.
1: I'm going to ask a kind of a loaded question. What is your, what, Design, do you think is the best design that you've ever come up with that is the worst selling knife that you've ever made?
3: That's actually not a difficult question. Um, We made a hunting version. I'll pull it up for you real quick, I'll show you. Uh, think th- I want you to think Bowie knives what was one of the most touted Bowie knives that resin Bowie ever
1: um, commissioned do you know Mm-mm. I don't know For the Rogue was it a Rogue that you tried no, no
3: no no the Rogue, the rogue is uh, he didn't even commission those that's it That was a a natural evolution of what people thought a Bowie knife should look like. Uh, They were the first ones made, actually. Oh,
1: you're talking about the the, the, uh, Cyril's Bowie? Yeah. And that was the biggest stinker that you've ever had? The Cyril's Bowie. uh, We made a Cyril's Hunter. Yeah. Okay. So it was a smaller version of that. And I want you
3: to understand that that was one of the most heavily engineered knives. We have every single component on that knife was engineered to fit together perfectly and um where is it yes I'm in my um ah here we go here is that's a Searles boat yep okay yep and that's one of the ones that Resin Bowie commissioned from Searles um who was actually a silversmith who was thrown out of the Philadelphia Silversmith Guild for something <laughs> and and fled to Louisiana. And this was the second knife he commissioned. The first one was the one that looked like a kitchen knife, but mm-hmm. you know, he couldn't make any money on. It. Right. So he did these. And an original, of course, would be worth probably twenty-five or $30,000 if you could find one, or maybe more than that. But Searles also made some hunting knives. They looked just like this, only they were smaller. So we made... and and I took it off an actual picture of a Searles Hunter and every single you see how all these components layer together in here yep yep. we Travis and I designed that thing we spent hours and hours and hours designing every single component so that these things stacked up and looked like an original and we couldn't give those things away with $50 bills hot (laughs) glued to them they they just you know had, had I made the full size one it might have sold really well But making the small hunter version of it, nobody wanted them, and and people said, "Oh, that's really beautiful." Well, do you want
1: one? No, I just think it's really beautiful. (laughs) So you made so you made a run of 300 of them. Yeah, and you probably have to really look to try to find one today. Because uh, I know that Derek and Jason were like, "If you buy this other knife, I'll give you one of these."
4: (laughs) They were trying to get them (laughs) off their shelves.
3: And it's really a shame because, I mean, they really were, I mean, they were engineered like you wouldn't believe. So that was the biggest stinker that you've I had. think so. I think that was the biggest stinker we ever made. And it's unfortunate because we, I mean, we made it faithful to the original design. and well, we I remember a that. A ton though. of time. That was in.
1: a nice-looking knife.
3: And here's Travis and I make, you know, put doing all this engineering work and him making all these little components. And, you know, and Travis is looking man, these are going to sell like crazy. <laughs> and, and, and I thought they
1: would, you know, at least sell. Yeah, got sucked the, into the geeky. sucked wind <laughs> <laughs> you know
3: but I mean it happens
1: you know so well you don't you can't stay in business when that happens very often so <laughs> no but I mean you've
3: you you got to you've got to step out on that limb once in a while right you know and, so, and I don't mind doing that either.
1: out of out of all the models that you've made in the past let's say 10 years which one would you never make again which one would I never make again no matter what happens you'd never make it again
3: I, I honestly can't think of
1: one that I would never make again. I, uh, what about the journeyman? Would you make that again? No, but I didn't design that. Oh, that's right. That was not, not my design. Chief. I forgot about that. I'm sorry. Right. And
3: and uh, let me tell you something. We made that first run and had a hard time selling them. And then the people on the forum wanted us to make them again. And I said no. And Derek said no. And Jason said no. And they asked and asked and asked. So finally, Derek and Jason said, "Okay, all right, Mike." Make a short run of them. They didn't sell the second time either. <laughs> and like all eight guys on the forum that said they liked them, <laughs>
1: probably bought one. <laughs> but that at, at, at that, first looked that knife, I I thought the the blade was too short for the for the whole overall thing, and I and also too thick and too yeah. It was just a it was it was kind of a strange. It didn't have the world's best cutting geometry. No, it was kind of a strange. Well, it was a, it's a bayonet. Yes, it did. It, it reminded me of a really thick M3. Yes. <laughs> yes. And,
3: uh... Actually, they might have sold that if I would have put, a, put some lugs on it.
4: Yes. So
1: they could attach that's, it to that's a right That's rifle. what I was thinking. If you, could put it, if you could have put that on the front of a carbine, an, M, an M4 an M or a, or an old 30 carbine, that would have been the ass. Yeah.
3: Well, we also... I mean, we, we not only made them, we made them with three different handle styles. Oh, sure. yeah. Made the Apple handle, made a Sabre handle, and then yeah. a stacked handle. Yeah. And, uh... The one that sold the best was none of them. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's, but, but again, I I didn't even want to make them the second time, but for some reason, uh, Jason and Derek thought that they could sell at least a short run of them. That didn't work out really
1: well. Yeah. So what do you have on the horizon? What's, what is the, what is not a, not a not a, not a remake of one that you already have in your stable. What is a completely new well the new canadian camp knife uh, the
3: kalahari uh, that's an, an upswept um the uh, plain, plains knife it's a, it's actually a semi skinner um, i mean we this, this we're going to we're going to find Is that, is the, that a,
1: trail, a trailing point
3: no a semi is not a trailing point but a trailing point's even higher <laughs>
1: okay they, so it's not quite a trailing point
3: no it's a semi skinner okay i mean you know the semi skinner is a semi skinner and uh, uh, now, I mean, we are going to come out with a Skagel uh, trailing point because that's what Skagel is known for. So that, and that will sell because, but I'm going to make a huge one. I'm going to make a real Skagel. The size? Yeah. 10 inch blade, two inches high, you know, s- king of slashers, um, you know, and that'll sell because it's going to be obviously a
1: mm-hmm.
4: um,
1: the, the, uh Now, that will be a Bark River product? Nope. Or will that be from It'll Derek? be a what the hell's that? I don't know. <laughs> that's somebody's. That's somebody's. That's from that. Star it's Trek. Jimmy.
0: Yeah, that's the.
1: That thing. is the. That's Star Trek geekdom right there, boys and girls. Yeah. That's, that's the whistle from the original.
0: Yeah. That's my uh, text.
1: Starship Enterprise.
3: Well, the, the Jimmy's new knife, the Springbuck, will be out shortly.
1: That is a sexy knife.
3: Yeah. That's that's. Uh, In fact, Travis has the first 500 of them. He's putting the fullers in them, and then they have to go back to heat treat. That is a sexy looking Um, knife. Nice little hunting style knife. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jim is going to have, I think Jim will have six models this year that he's going to design.
1: One of them got designed here today. Yeah. And And that's actually a nice looking knife. I like it a lot.
4: That will. will The kid amazes
0: me all the time. But uh, if you want a sneak peek of that, check out the video.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we you asked.
0: can see Jim making the first prototype. Yeah.
3: Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I mean, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to say what some of them are. Um, one of the ones that we're going to be making is the Boundary Rider, which is a, a full-size Bowie that we actually have uh, threatened to make for a number of years. We're finally going to get it into production. Um, with about a nine-inch blade, I haven't totally decided whether it's going to no. be nine between. It'll be between nine and ten.
1: Inches. You were going to make uh, the full-size Hudson Bay cancer, camper. Uh, <laughs> yes, Hudson Bay camp knife. Yes, that'll be out this year. That's coming out this year. Right, it's and wider, that's the longer, gigantic, gigantic slightly,
3: Right, slightly slightly longer handle, wider top to bottom, and longer.
1: That will be a ten-inch blade. No, it'll be more.
3: It'll be more like like nine. Yeah, you, you reach a uh, diminish a point of diminishing return sometimes when you when you make blades that are much over nine inches or so. Um because
1: they start falling into the short sword category. So um, talk to me about the short sword, the the Bravo short sword. The Bravo three? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was very reluctant to make that. That that is a short sword. That's almost that would almost be my second best zombie killer. <laughs> I think if I I'm not sure what you can't hack through with that. But I, the only was thing is the Katana is a little they, bit longer and it would reach a little further <laughs> as opposed to, that, to well, that. The
3: problem with that knife and finally, you know, having the guts to make it was that everybody wanted it out of CPM3V, which meant it had to be a $400 knife.
4: Yeah.
3: Kind of limits your customer base yes. very quickly. So I kind of gave in and we made about 300 of them. And um, we're gonna to have to make them again. They yeah. sold much They're better than we thought they would they in fact, they sold too well. so uh, you know here I am now I that, mean,
1: has you know, a, that how long is the blade on that? That is a eleven and three quarters eleven yeah. and three quarters, and, three inch quarters. Blade. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. and um I mean it's it's it certainly is uh what everybody wanted because obviously because they 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 bought them all. Uh, the dealers are very low on them. We're, that was about a month ago. And we're, 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 they're, they're almost all gone. I think Jason told me he had nine left or something.
1: Yeah, I, think a, I think the number between the two of them was like 18. Something like that. Or,
3: yeah. I mean it, it, I mean it was very...
1: And I don't know how many Blue Ridge has left.
3: That's a boundary rider right there. Very. It's traditional of what people think a bowie knife should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, there it is with a nine-inch blade. I also have it... Uh, Wrong with a seven, but I think we're going to go with that nine-inch blade. Very traditional looking. Um, if someone were to ask me which bowie is that, because there's like nine million bowies, that's that's a New York rose, R O S E rose style bowie, um, which and would which would be about mm, late eighteen thirties, early nineteen or early eighteen forties.
1: This this guy would be a uh, uh, Carver style handle. Carver only. I wanted to make it with coffin,
3: but I got outvoted by our customers, ah. who wanted a saber. They wanted a saber grip. I preferred the coffin. I could make it either way. The original rose was a saber. It was not a coffin. It was a saber. And um, that'll be, you know, quarter inch thick, uh, or approaching quarter inch. I haven't decided whether I'm going to go full quarter or I'm, I'm going to go to our. I'm going to defer to our 217, which is the thickness I like. Um and that will appear to be a full tang knife it's not you know it's a it's a false tang but the uh um that's one that we've been threatening to make for a long time that the name boundary rider is actually australian and people don't know that there were a ton of Bowie knives sold in australia during their gold rush yeah. there was an australian gold rush
0: they copied the marine raider basically right that's the pattern that they that I see from the. If you look up Australian Bowie, a lot of times what you're going to see is a version of the Marine Raider. Okay, we're
3: talking hundred years before that.
0: Though. Okay, all right.
3: Yeah, no, you're talking yeah. about during. You're talking about Pacific campaign. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's a bit different. There were uh, in the Australian Gold Rush period, which was in which was just after our Gold Rush period, which was 1849. Mm-hmm. so so that somebody discovered gold in Australia so you had nine million skillion people running to Australia to to uh, try to find gold and the folks at Sheffield said well listen we sold all these other prospectors these Bowie knives in America this well, is a whole other market there's a whole new market here <laughs> so they actually flooded the Australian market with Sheffield Bowies of of all kinds of shapes now this one is not one of them. This is the Rose Bowie, but I liked the name Boundary Rider, which was which was a Sheffield Bowie-style knife right. um, of like the eighteen fifties, eighteen sixties. So we're gonna we, we're swiping the name from one, but the, but the style is actually that of a Rose Bowie,
1: New York. You could have called it a New York Rose too.
3: <coughs> I could I have. have but I know it sold like shit too. Would, would have, have sold, would have really sold horribly. Boundary Rider has that masculine thing going for it. Yeah. yeah. But so. Uh, that I hope to have out by fall, or maybe sooner um, I'm going to make that one out of a two, and uh, I mean the other problem we run into right now is every time I introduce a new knife, we automatically get the steel guys going three v you're going to make it in three v and I'm, no, i'm not going to make it in three v because it's going to be the retail price will be fifty to seventy dollars more right and there there's nothing wrong with a two <coughs> Now, if we get it out there in A2 and it sells like crazy and there's enough an demand, if the distributor's okay, I can always make another run
1: in 3V at a higher price. I that's, always the, that's always the toughest nut, though, is to sell them at the higher price. Yeah, it depends on the knife. Um,
3: like, we didn't even mess around with the other steels for the bushcrafters. We went right into 3V because right. we wanted the performance
1: level that 3V gives for a bushcrafter. Right. And you weren't talking about that kind of, not talking about a 9-inch blade? No. That's so, we got a 9 difference. inch knife. The whole knife was it, 9 inch. It's inches. a huge difference in price.
3: Yeah. Now, had you asked me what's the best knife I think I've designed in the last 10 years, <clears throat> I would probably have to say the Bushcrafter and Ultralight
0: Bushcrafter.
1: Now, see, I would say if I was to, my choice would be the Ultralight Bushcrafter and the Aurora. Aurora. The Aurora still. <coughs> the, and even the the little, the, the baby Aurora, I like too. Yeah. Now, but the ultralight bushcrafters are a pretty damn hard knife to beat. We took a lot of time designing the
3: Aurora. <clears throat> we took two years designing that. Yep. Making prototypes out of all oh, kinds of other yeah. things and sending them out to people. In oh, fact, all yeah. over the world. Yep. And when I finally finalized the design, I realized that I had a, a bushcrafter that would really work. It's mm-hmm. a large knife. It's larger than the... Um, than what people think is, is a bushcrafter but you really and and also if you have large hands that's the ticket right there yeah
1: and I, I even uh, uh, made a bigger version of that at a grind at one time for uh, for my future son-in-law that is a um, actually I didn't do it Jimmy I think Jimmy made it um, and he's he's a great big guy I mean he's like six foot a ton uh uh-huh and his hands are about the same size as my hands but he wanted a little bit bigger more and his is a little bit bigger than that just a little bit Mm -hmm. and uh i to me i think that's if i only had to have two knives only could choose two knives to take into the world for the rest of my life it would be those two the ultralight bushcrafter and an aurora There's absolutely nothing you couldn't do with those. Yeah, we put a lot of time in in the Aurora design. The bushcrafter was not that difficult
3: for me to design because I knew what people perceived a bushcrafter to be. Right. And and then my job was to make one that fit that look but actually function. Right. Because a lot of them don't actually function. They have the look, but they don't actually function. Right. So I had to uh, do what I considered correcting.
1: Have you seen an ultralight bushcrafter? I don't think I have, no. I think I have. I brought one. Yeah, you've got one. It's not out on the table
4: there,
1: is it? Uh huh. Um. the The
3: ultralight bushcraft there only weighs 2.7 ounces. Jeez. And it will do the work of a much larger knife. And we had to use 3V for it.
1: This is the little brother. What's this one? No, that's that's the ultralight bushcraft. Oh this yeah. Is the little brother. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's handy. I like the thinner blade on it, too. That's, that's only 85 thousandths thick.
1: See, that's
4: the
3: Bushcrafter, and then we yeah. just scaled it down. Just scaled it down. Now, you do know that we're coming out with a, the big brother of the Bushcrafter this year. Really? Bushcrafter 2. Huh. By so that's going to try to be
1: popped out of my, it's going to try to pop the Aurora out of my first place?
3: You know, I don't know what it's going to do. I know, I know that we have a ton of demand for it where people want this knife scaled up to a 5-inch blade.
4: Hmm.
3: This is a 3.8-inch th- blade. Yeah, They want it scaled up to 5-inch, which means it's going to have pretty much the same handle, a little, a hair longer, a little wider, and a little bit wider blade, and out to 5 inches. And for people who like this style of knife, it probably would be killer. The, the Ultra Light Bushcrafter, I still think, is one of the best knives I've ever designed... And also, keeping, keeping the weight down to 2.7 ounces right. makes a huge difference, which means you can actually have it with you.
1: I actually have been wearing this. I know. You've lot, been using
3: it like an EDC. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I switch back and forth between these two. And that's a... That's, that's the smaller the, version the of, the of the Aurora.
0: Okay. Yeah. Littenbrow.
1: Okay. Littenbrow.
3: Which doesn't actually mean anything. I don't know if you know that or not. That's yeah, not really Swedish. Right. It's it's uh, it's actually a Swede word and a Fin word yeah. stuck together that Americans would understand. That means little brother. It's really not. Littenbrow doesn't really me. actually mean <laughs> little brother, but but it does to us because that's what we told everybody,
1: and we wanted something that they could actually pronounce. Yeah. And it's and that's a nice knife. Yeah. But that's heavier than that's heavier than the ultralight. Yes. But it is but it is a very usable it's blade. It's
4: five o'clock.
1: You know what time it is. Five o'clock. <laughs> it's actually six o'clock. <gasps> I wonder why that is. That on a different time frame? Why did that change? Are you on our? Yeah, we're in the same we,
3: time zone. Yeah, but you know we're right on the line. Could, well, that's it, I'm wondering if it's switched. It, it'll switch back and forth because we are you. right on the line. I bet oh. you did. My computer did. So you're, you're about eight or ten miles from the line here. Hmm. So geographically, the it the doesn't GPS know. It doesn't know where we are. Where we're at. But, I always find it, it's amazing that Escanaba even shows up on GPS. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's a great place. It has a lot of great water, a lot of great fishing. And hunting. And a lot of a oh, lot of great woods, hunting. Big woods. Big woods.
3: Cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, uh, winter sports are, are huge here. And in the summer, there ain't much you can't do here. Yep. Uh, swat flies.
1: Swat mosquitoes. You mosquito season is not too bad. You can, uh, black flies. Black flies are bad. I mean, if, it, it, Some years it
3: is, some years it is. It doesn't really bother me too
4: much.
1: Our cold weather this year, I was told by a forester that is, uh, you know, how we're losing our ashes to the emerald ash borer. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, this, all this cold weather has kicked the larvae's ass. Right. And uh, there's some chance that we may have some ash survivors. And, and I don't know on the UP, but... Uh, or I don't know in the Lower Peninsula, but maybe in the UP you will. Yeah, but in the, I, I think
3: we've killed off an awful lot of larvae up here.
1: Yeah, I'm, awesome. I'm waiting to see what tick season is like. That'll be interesting to see what happens. I there. think we're going to have less ticks because, there, because of the hard winter. Well, you know, we haven't had uh, a day over freezing since December, yeah. like 2nd. Mm-hmm. I mean I don't think it's been over freezing since December seventh. We had one
3: so. day here that yeah. was over freezing.
1: And so that's they and and a lot of it has been below zero. Yeah. You know, nights below zero. So well, have, to, have to have to it come up with a new measurement about <laughs> wintertime, the nights below zero. How many nights below zero are you? <laughs> <laughs> well actually you guys have been getting hit down there. No, we've been just it's been brutal. Just a brutal winter.
3: Up here, we're kind of used to it. Like when they had that big storm and they they called it Hercules on the East Coast, you know, they were everybody was talking about it. And I said, well, up here we call that Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. We just call that Tuesday up here. No big deal. But this is a record snowfall here too.
1: Well, it's like well, I think we're 140 inches now. 150 inches, something like that. See, we're only
3: like 43 or 44 inches because we don't get anywhere near the snow. Well, you're we in the get. banana belt here. We are in the banana belt. We are in a protected it's area. Officially,
1: the banana belt along yeah, the lake Yeah, it's protected shore.
3: because we're so close to the lake. Storms either go over us or north and or south of us. We don't get hit like the rest of the UP does. I mean, for them to get 100 inches, that's a light winter up here.
4: Mm.
3: For us to get for us to get 30 is a lot. Yeah. Because mm. we just don't get the same amount of snow. And that's not a complaint, by the way. <laughs> Do not think that's a complaint. Well,
1: the latest number that I've seen was 76% of the Great Lakes are frozen over. Yes. Yeah. That's huge. They say that that has not happened in about 35 years. Yeah. Well, I don't know how it happened, but we saw a freighter last week. Well, when I went up, when I went across the bridge, the, the channel was opened up through where the, the icebreaker went through and let somebody through. Because they're still hauling oil. Yep. That's the heating oil. is what's uh what they're moving quite a bit of. And I don't know if they've if they ship propane by uh by freighter anymore but they used to have a propane I'm really happy I have a
3: propane contract.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. <sighs>
3: Cuz I'd be paying 6 bucks a
1: gallon right yeah. now for it. Jeez. Yeah. It's expensive. I you
3: know, mean mine mine wasn't mine was a little bit higher than I'm used to
0: paying.
1: Yeah, guys are six guys bucks. are really you you have natural gas, right?
0: Yeah, we ours is through the city, and so we don't. I mean, uh, it doesn't doesn't fluctuate much for us.
3: But I mean, city gas is at the corner of my street. Okay. But I but I, I want propane because for me to get the city gas, I have to pay for the hookup for the whole block.
4: Oh yeah. There's only
3: two houses on our block, mm-hmm. but I have to pay for if I want to, if I want to get gas to my house, I have to pay for. The guy that lives next to me, and then all the other empty lots on the street, have to get hooked up. So I'd have to write a check for like twenty-seven or twenty-eight thousand dollars to get natural gas.
1: So the only way you could do that would be split it up amongst the landowners that wanted to pay, which are zero, which are zero, <laughs> right? Or the ga- or LP gas, has got to go to twenty-seven dollars a gallon before it's even worth it.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean the the the, the propane. I've got a 500-gallon tank, and it's not that much to fill it. And
1: it lasts a couple months, even in the wintertime. Yeah, but if it was $27 a gallon, it would be a different story. It would be a different story. Then I would, I would belly up I mean, and pay the $27,000. Figure it out.
3: Right. It would be a math thing. Yeah. I'm not bad at that.
1: No. Not the
3: greatest, but I'm not bad at that. But the, the uh, there are people who, uh, I mean, we have a lot of deaths because of it, where older people can't afford the, the natural gas, I mean, the the propane. And they're lighting like a, a charcoal uh, grill in their yep. house to and heat it, and then of course it kills them. Just they I know my my
1: renters. I've been very very lenient with them this year uh, because of because of the cold. You know they're they're struggling. I mean people are people are hurting all over. You know they're they're having a tough time with uh with heat in the house, and you know I said like you know heat the house, feed your family. Well, they're
3: admitting to a 13% unemployment rate here.
1: Right. But I got to tell
3: you it's it's more like 30.
1: Yeah.
4: Hmm.
1: I think it's like that all over. I think there's a lot it's a lot worse than what anybody's reporting. My charitable charitable contributions last
3: year were staggering. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And I, I mean I, and I don't mind sharing the number with you cuz I mean it, it it we had no idea because it, we when people ask us to help, we help. Last year, my charitable contribution was $79,000. There you go. And I didn't go looking to give that money away. It's people approaching us Mm -hmm. that needed help. We always help when people need help. That's just the way, you know, I think that you should be in in a You have to have some responsibility to the community. But when I
1: looked at that number at the end of the year, holy moly. See, I don't mind doing that. I don't mind giving. I don't. I just don't want somebody else taking it and deciding where it's going to go. That's the, that becomes the whole. Well, un- unfortunately,
3: we're in we're in a society where that's the case. Yeah. Um, so for me to cope with it, what I do is not worry about it. Yeah. And I know that a lot of the money that I gave, or product that was used for auctions or stuff, did get to the right place. Yeah.
1: Um. Well, that, and that's that's how you that's how you offset it. That's you get to the position where you can give away enough. To offset the other where you can control where it goes to right that that becomes the big difference
3: you know but that that was about a twenty five thousand dollar jump over the year before yeah. and um, I I mean I, I think morally we have to do that kind of stuff if we if we want to be a responsible member of the community it's pretty funny because we don't even sell anything here right People here don't even know who we are. They, nobody here buys Bark River knives. They're too expensive for these right. people. And there's no stores around here that sell them. You know, our knives all get shipped out of this area. Yep. But I still feel that it's part of our responsibility to the community to give back when
1: people need help. Yep. And a lot of people have needed help. Yeah, this year's been... this. The past couple years have been tough. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt. Well, I mean, when you see...
3: I mean, I, I was in the store... And there was a, a, a guy in there, and he was, probably was in his late 20s or early 30s. And he was trying to buy cereal to, to run home and feed his kids. And he had one of those cards from the state. And he wasn't sure, he was almost in tears,
4: because he wasn't sure that he, which
3: brand of cereal would be okay for him to put on that card so he could run home. I mean, he wasn't buying beer or anything. He was trying to feed some kids. So he's, I could tell how upset he was getting because he had different cereal boxes. So I just I, I just leaned over and I put, the, I, I, I put my hand on his and I took the card down and I threw a $20 bill on the counter. And I said, breakfast is on me. You just save this for milk or whatever you mm-hmm. have to have it for. Because some of those cards you can't even buy meat with. Yeah. You only buy, you know. So I just I paid for a cereal. I said, go yep. home and feed your kids. This guy, you could tell, he would have rather been working. Yep. He would
1: have much rather been working. Yeah, and that's the that's the big deal. You know, you. Got, I mean, I think it is a big deal. <clears throat> you got guys that that want to work and can't find jobs, and then. You know, and some people think that just raising the minimum wage is going to solve that. So, you know, solve that problem. No, nah, because the, the products that they buy will go up proportionally. Yeah. So it's exactly a, it's a net zero effect. Exactly, and but that's they. A lot of people do not get that. They think I mean, that we can't work.
3: run an ad in the paper when we're in a, when we're in a hiring phase. We can't run an ad in the paper.
1: We'd have to have the sheriff come
3: over here and direct traffic. Hmm. We have to do it through an agency that will that's that's prepared to get resumes and then give us the resumes. If we run an
1: ad in the paper that we're hiring, I mean, our parking lot's full now. There would be a line up down the street. Yeah, I mean, we would cause a traffic jam. We would stop that train from going back
3: and forth. <laughs> <Right. laughs>
4: <All day long. laughs> yes, yeah, the disadvantage
3: of being next to a railroad site. People say, is that it? I'm on the phone with people. They go, is that a train? It sure is. <laughs> is it
1: inside your building? Well, no, but it's across the street. <laughs> Guys jockeying. <laughs> when, when you have a rail yard that works on rail cars here? Is, yeah. that, what, is that what they do? They, they work on them, and so they're jockeying rail cars all the time. Well, this guy uh, the, stores them. These sidings here are all storage cars. They charge $3 a day
3: for, a other, for other railroads <laughs> to store their cars, you know, uh, rather than deadheading them back, you know. so uh, But he, he must have thousands of cars because he owns every railroad siding that you can find around here. And they're all full of railroad cars, hmm. so he gets three bucks a day. <laughs> so all day long, he has three engines, and they're running back and forth, moving these cars around. So you can get them in and out of spots, right? Yeah. Put them to the front, put them <laughs> to the back, and it, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting business. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to stick to making knives, though. That's I think you're much better. gift. Well, I, I know what I'm good at. And I know what I'm not. And I don't
1: know, Jack, about locomotives. I, personally, those, the whole car thing, that cracks me up when I think about it, because I think it would be easier, instead of jockeying all that shit around, I'd be like painting stencils on, oh, this is your car. Yeah. <laughs> your car's right here in the front. That's why you're, that's why you're not in that business. <laughs> I'd, be like, I'd be like, you know, Joe Schmoe would come up and say, oh, I, I, my car's eight, number is 8-7-2, and you look at the list, and you're like, oh, it's way the hell back there, way in the back. I'd be yep, like that's spray can and stencil, and shh, there it is right there. There's your car. Take it. Have a good day.
3: Well if you notice also a lot of the rail cars that are here are not tagged. Right. So they don't they don't, have, they don't have gang tags on. them, Because we don't have any gangs up here. We don't yeah. you know, we don't have oh, yeah, yeah. we don't have the criminal element. I mean you know, most of our yeah. crime up here is like kids breaking in cars to steal money to go buy marijuana or something. Yeah. You know, we you know But you buy
1: that here. You
3: well, buy that all over. Oh yeah, well especially in Michigan now that yeah. it's legal.
1: Yeah. You know.
3: It's not legal to sell it, but it's illegal to have it. Right. Yeah. And
1: I, I I guess it's, it's legal a, to grow it. I don't you know, even know. You gotta have a card. It's just a mess. It's it's a, it was a law I have no clue. It was a law that was lobbied by stoners, passed by stoners, and and I guess you have to be a stoner to enforce it, I suppose. And that's why I can't it's it's very difficult to enforce because you can't find too many cops that are stoners. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the law is totally written not to be enforceable. I mean, it's it's hideous. It's hideous, but it's still a federal law to to grow, and the feds do come in and do raids. Well, I know that they have the uh, IR sensors
4: mm-hmm.
1: on
3: the uh, a couple of police cars.
1: Oh, yeah, cars? looking
3: for houses that are glowing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, you know, with the grow lights. Yeah, and they you know, they raid them.
1: Yeah, yeah, the the feds raid. The feds right now we have that what is it called? upset you know every county every uh, there's like a half a dozen different units around the state that are like three or four counties will join together and they'll work with the state police and they could be called sane they could be called um tnt or upset yeah ours or, is called upset there's there's you know, all over the state they have little teams like that, and they're they're pretty active. It's surprisingly our, our county opted out of that. Now that they, they uh, our county formed its own team with all the local police departments, because what happens is when you bust, make a drug bust, you got to split it with the state, mm. as opposed to you know who's who's got the biggest, does the most legwork, who does the most, you know, gets the most amount of money out of it. And our county was kind of getting stiffed. And so they, they opted out. So they opted out of it and said, we'll just do it on our own. And right. we make pretty good money doing it. Well, I
3: I, we, we, I, don't think we have that many big drug busts up here. No. But, I mean, obviously drugs are available everywhere. Yeah. But it doesn't really interfere with, with, with what we do at all. Um,
1: well, you know, Most you of my can't,
3: employees are pretty clean.
1: Yeah, you can't, uh, it's pretty hard to grind a blade when you're stoned. I don't think that anybody... We've had a
3: couple of them and we weeded them out.
1: Yeah.
3: Actually, they weeded themselves out.
1: <laughs> they, they did. I mean, they were just like...
3: You know, I mean, it's not as funny as the guy we had that, that forgot to tell us that he had nine personalities. Yeah, that was... Uh, that was interesting. Yep. We never knew who we were talking to. and Who you had to train today. Right. <laughs> Eventually, maybe all nine of them got trained. <laughs> but he, he assured me that only three of them were women. Nice. Yeah, he says three of them are chicks. And uh, so we, uh, we, how do you say that with a straight face? He he's very calm. He's very calm, calm with it. He, he no longer works here, obviously, but um, and he left of his own volition. We didn't fire him or anything, but we couldn't have him working on machines because he would he he would just he be was kind of dropping a- knives. And he would and I said, well, why did you drop it? He says, well, they told me to drop it. Well, who's they? Well, the the people in my head told me to drop it. <laughs> it was very interesting. So we put him in assembly, figuring he, he he can only drop it on the table at that point. <laughs> you know? But he eventually, he, I mean, he eventually left. Because well, we actually wanted them to work eight hours a day. It was very hard for all nine of them to work eight hours a day. <laughs> Here she comes.
4: of make great peanut butter and jelly sandwiches
1: any questions
0: oh when are you gonna make the boon two again Well, we
3: never made the boon two you mean the 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 when you say boon two you mean the the one without the double quillion
0: yeah it's the i it's the one that I've got I, I don't know um, this one, the, the, yeah, I don't think mine has the.
3: The boon two was the one with the single quillion. Yeah, we're going to change that all around. That we are, we are making boons very shortly, and okay. you'll be able to get it with and without the upper quillion. Okay. The boon two officially will be the same knife, but with a longer blade. Okay. But, yeah, because mine but has a
0: longer blade than
3: that. I think. No, okay. then you have a teddy if you do. No, but it's boon two for but, production. Then that's that one. Okay. You'll find that if you were to walk across the driveway, you'll find 500 of those sitting in Travis's shop right now.
0: Oh, being made? Okay.
3: Uh, well, he's putting the fullers in them. Okay. He has to machine the fuller in before I can take it to the next step. Yeah. And that's the heat before heat, heat treat, right? Yeah. yeah. you've got to machine the fuller in before heat
4: treat.
3: Yep. It's a lot harder to put the fuller in once it's
0: yeah I would imagine once it's fifty eight
3: fifty nine Rockwell <laughs> they don't machine real well, yeah, so we have to we it, but there's there's five hundred of them sitting nice uh,
0: across the across the driveway in <coughs> Travis's shop and we should talk about the um bravo that you're making that's got the recurve in it yeah the the new strike force yeah, it's a fighter it's a it's a fighter with a Bravo that's, two handle that is a badass it's a, you know
3: we could call it a utility field knife if we wanted. Uh, we could make some silly excuses for it, but it's a fighter. Uh-huh. It'll, it'll, it'll thrust and slash with the best of them. It's a six and three-quarter inch blade, very wide. Um, I think you'll like the balance of it in your hand. It'll feel really good in the hand. It's going to be a full quarter inch thick, uh-huh. and it's going to be A2. Okay. Um, we, all, we already have people complaining that it's not 3V, um, and I feel as though you don't need to step up to 3V for for the intended use of that knife you ain't going to break one anyway. No. And having something be um, four times tougher than something you can't break, is, I think is fairly moot. And it'll hold an edge really well. And they'll, and they'll, be, they'll be probably 50, about 59 Rockwell,
4: uh-huh.
3: which is what, what is what I like 50, between 58 and 60. 59 is what I like the most. For A2, you can make A2 all the way up to 61 without it getting brittle. But then we lose the sharpenability. Uh-huh. We want people to be able to sharpen them. Yep. So as you go up in Rockwell, the, the, the wear resistance goes up. But it, on the other hand, it's, it's hard to restore the edge. And I think it's important that people be able to sharpen their own knives. I don't mind sharpening them for them if they want to send them in. But they ought to be able to sharpen them themselves.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And for Bark River, what do you tell people as far as their sharpening method? How should they oh, restore an edge on a Bark They River?
3: should use a hone block with sandpaper. hmm the leather home block sandpaper draped over it to to uh, get the edge back aligned and then finish it out on the on the uh, black compound and green compound on the leather. Okay. We now, still maintain the same thing.
1: Do you have a lot of uh do you have a lot of your customers now m- moving toward the workshop? Yes. We caution them greatly on using new damage. Yeah,
3: you can't use a rough belt so you'll you'll regrind the blade, right? And take out the geometry. But if you use the finishing belts only, uh, you can get a pretty good edge on almost any knife, including a bark river. But you have to take the shield off, I think, for the yeah. bark river. Yeah, because you have to use the you have to slack belt it. Right, you have to slack belt it and use the. Yeah. Um. And I would say that there's a good percentage of our customers. I know that that uh, Jason sells a lot of them. Um,
1: Jeff McKnight sells a lot right. of them. Um, and I, was, I don't know if Derek has them or not. I was talking to Jeff at a uh, another show, and and he had a, he was saying, in fact, I got a bunch of belts from him for the one I have. You have to just watch the heat. Yeah. And you don't want to use a rough belt because you will regrind the blade. And I usually, what I usually do is I'll use the fine belt, and I'll actually apply compound to it. Yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> and it, for just touching up the edges, per works nice. But it, it does the same thing at the... That the I think it does a similar thing that, that the leather block does, mm-hmm. except you just don't have to do it by hand and it's a lot faster.
4: Yeah, it's a lot faster. You know, that's, but
3: but also if you have it at the wrong angle, you can take the edge off. Yes, just as fast. Yeah, yeah. You have to pay attention. Yeah, you got to pay attention to what you're doing. Um, I still go for the traditional stuff myself. Um, a lot of guys are switching over to the CBN compounds, which cut faster. Um, they cut just as fine, if not finer. Um, that's the stuff you have in that. Yeah, that's the spray. Or the liquid. The liquid actually you put on with your finger,
1: and you have to. Was use that, that that's what Jimmy was using to? For no, this is just water. This is these are water stones. Oh, he was using a waterstone. That's a waterstone.
3: Okay, but the uh, the CBN compounds. Um,
4: that's the stuff. that's it's, a, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a. Our uh, front end?
3: Yeah, about the consistency of pancake batter. And You put a rubber glove on and you wipe it on the and you. But you have to be careful. You, that strop is then for that compound. You can't cross-contaminate between the different grits. It's very sensitive to that. What happens to it? Does it explode? No, it just doesn't work as well.
0: well you know, it could be like... Some reaction.
1: Like the something. like the gum that you chew one color and you mix it with another color and it... Like six seconds. I have no idea what you're talking about.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Some you
1: know,
3: people will. Claim <laughs> ignorance. Claim ignorance on that completely. Yeah. We can delete that out. But the uh, um, I, I think that the CBN has a place. I think it's extremely expensive. Guys that have it love it, but when you're paying $45 for a little bottle of compound and then you need fresh strops to use it, uh, and then you, you should put that strop in a plastic bag to keep it from getting contaminated. I mean, it has its up and downside. Um, I'm probably... Just going to stick with the black compound and the green compound. I,
1: personally, I only use the black. Well, that's the, that's, (laughs) I didn't want to say that, but that was the, that's the color that I stick on the belt is the black. Yeah, I just use the black compound. I mean,
3: I, but I know customers that go black, green, white, pink, because they want that kind of edge. I personally don't need that kind of edge. If you want something that cuts.
1: Yeah. Just down and dirty. It's just got to cut. Right. That's the whole key. That's, and and I, that's where I come from. And I don't
3: believe in utility edges. I think a knife should actually be sharp. Now, if you want to split hairs and say I can make it sharper, please do. Go ahead.
1: Nice but I just want out.
3: a good, clean, maybe 2000 grit edge, and I'm happy. Yeah.
1: So there's a cuts.
3: Yeah. At home, I only have straps with the black compound for my kitchen knives. I don't take them beyond that. No. And I can slice a tomato pretty thin.
0: Well, anything else? Anybody?
1: I'm good. I'm good. All I'm right. hungry. I'm Actually, hungry and I have,
0: I have a little bit of work to do before we can eat. What do you got to do? There's about 300 pounds of oh. heavy American iron yeah, You guys, You guys can room.
3: do that. And we, we got to wrap up because I got to head out to the store if we're going to have a nice dinner.
1: Yes. Okay. You know how to get Chianti? To, you know how to get to the house, right? Yeah. Chianti? Can you say Chianti? I I have a couple bottles.
0: I can say it, but I can only have one glass. Why? Instant hangover. Shut up. Red red wine and me do not mix. I can have one glass.
3: Isn't that a shame? It's from Iowa. Isn't that a shame? (laughs) It's from Iowa. (laughs) We're going to have to drink the rest of it. Yeah. Do not block my my, uh, garage door. Which side are you on? I am on the right, pulling behind Leslie. Okay.
0: You remember, where you You parked in the left. Yeah.
1: I parked in the left. Right. And she was stuck
0: out. The car was stuck here. Right, the car was stuck here. Yeah. Here's here's another knife geek question. 01 tool steel, uh, typical Bowie knife pattern, what Rockwell do you ask the heat treat guy to put it to? 5860. 5860. What about uh, 1095 9-inch Raider Bowie pattern? 5860. Okay. All
4: right. You're always safe
3: right there. Okay. Um. On the on something you're going to chop with, you might want to you might want to say I would like it closer
1: to 58 than 60. Okay. Because you know that 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 those numbers go up geometrically. <coughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah like 59 Ritter, is a lot harder than it's 58. It's like the yes. Richter scale. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's it's it jumps up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, oh one on a chopping knife, I wouldn't go much past 58. You could right. turn you can turn a piece of O one into glass pretty quick right. at sixty. Right, mm-hmm. it's not designed to be that hard for for a knife, for for a skinning knife you can go to sixty. Right, but for something you're going to put some lateral stress on, fifty eight is real good. Fifty nine is would be the top.
1: on 01. Yeah, that's what I would think.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Well, thank you guys. Oh, well,
1: thanks for having thanks us. for having us. We really really appreciate it. Pleasure as usual. Yeah, we'll have fun. Always have fun, guys. Keep your uh, <coughs> keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. Yep. I have to have it written on the computer. You know that, <laughs> so I remember it. All
0: right. All right. All right. Very All right. Good. We're done. Yep. Shut her down. down.